0: everyone and welcome to another edition of the bat around coming to you live from our Towson studios here it is a cool and crisp but beautiful saturday morning far better than that hurricane ian remnants that we had over the last over the last weekend and a few days into this week although not nearly as bad as what those people in florida suffered so prayers out to them and you know Hopefully they're getting all the support they need and they can bounce back and land on their feet. But that kind of came out of nowhere, I guess. <laughs> but I, I guess it did. We are here for the bat round The battle round is brought to you today by the Maryland Five Star. You can see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill presented by Brown Advisory October 13th through the 16th in Cecil County. Today's show also... Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks. Massive video screens and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around make. Every moment more at the new duel. At the new, the new duel at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. I just got really low.
1: Well, you were really loud before, so I don't know. What what you trying to balance it out over here?
0: Yeah. Um. So Zach, Zachary, Zach
1: Goodman, Young Sir. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Not bad. I love the weather. This is this is playoff baseball and football weather, and it can't be better. No. Yeah.
0: I I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind weather like this. I, I mind. When it's forty-eight degrees, it's cloudy, it's raining, and it's gross out. I mind that. Fair enough. It's only fifty-one out right now. But but this stuff, and I know it's going to get a little bit warmer. I don't mind fall weather. I mind winter weather, and that's why uh, why I don't like. I don't know. Maybe I'm a glass half-empty kind of guy. I don't Uh know. Like (laughs) uh, uh, Thursday night, it was gorgeous on Mm -hmm. Thursday. It was seventy-five degrees. It was sunny, beautiful, and then and Thursday night. It was a nice, decently warm evening, nice, yeah. nice breeze, and I heard crickets chirping. The breeze felt good. It smelled like spring, and I just sat there, and I was like, you can't fool me, fall. You don't <laughs> fool me. I know it's coming in a month and a half. Screw you, fall. But so that, that's how I am. The fall weather is beautiful, but yeah. then it immediately leads into death. And <laughs> it's a very more boasts. No, I, I remember
1: you telling me one time, you're like, well, you know, the, the leaves are dying. They're falling off the trees. Why should I be excited about that?
0: Yeah, and I'm not. But I am excited <laughs> about the Baltimore Orioles and the future of the franchise. They finished this year 83-79, and 79, clinching their first winning season since 2016. For me, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing to watch your team play winning baseball. I found myself on Thursday sitting there like, hmm. I, 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 I'm I, still in the mindset of there's a baseball game tonight, right? So sure. I, I, like Thursdays, on Tuesdays and Thursdays at the restaurant, because I still need to work at the restaurant to make ends meet. Tuesdays and Thursdays. During the baseball season, there's a chance that I can get out reasonably early enough that I can catch two thirds or at least half of the game, right? Fridays and Saturdays, that's not a thing. Yeah. I'm I, the entire game will be played while I'm at work, and so on. Th- on Thursday, I was like, "Oh man, okay, the game's going to come on at seven o'clock tomorrow night," and, I'll, I and I was like, "Oh wait, baseball's done. Not ba- baseball's not done, but Orioles baseball is done." And I, so I still catch myself in. Orioles season mode, and that'll sure. that'll quickly dissipate. But it, it's it's always there's always a little bit of, of heartbreak when the season ends. But there's so much to be excited about and so much to look forward to this off season, especially with how well they played for the majority yeah. of the year. Um, it's hard not to be excited about this team. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I think I remember in 2017 uh, watching the last game. I was actually in the hospital at the moment, but I was watching the last game. Uh, of the Orioles season. Visiting feeling,
0: or in a tent? Like. I was
1: I was actually in the hospital for I, I my lung collapsed. Like, oh I had yeah like you told me about yeah, this. So yes I had a whole thing and I was in there for like eight days and I, I was watching the Orioles in the hospital at the the last game of 2017 and I remember feeling really sad because they had won I think it was 75 games that year mm-hmm. and I said okay you know Manny's coming back all these guys are coming back in 2018 they're gonna make a run at it hopefully they grabbed some pitching and they didn't and I haven't really felt that way about a team since that year in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I did feel that way this year. I did feel like, man, okay, you know, th- this team is good. They're only going to get better in the future. Really excited about it. Hate to see the season end. But, man, this offseason, it should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and even that 2017 season, th- they were they had the best record in baseball on May 10th. Yeah. They were 22-10, yeah. and 10, and then they just fell apart after that. And they did go out, and they added pitching. They, yeah. they added Andrew Cobb. Andrew Cobb, Andrew Cashner, and Alex Cobb—they brought back Chris Tillman, and you're hoping that maybe he had had some the sh- sh- shoulder issues. He had worked on them in the offseason. and they just were—they were just awful. They were just yeah. absolutely <laughs> awful. correct. Um, and, and, and we know because we spent six years watching them be awful after that. And this year, yeah, you're you're excited to see what they're going to do this off season. You kind of are like, all right, let's get these playoffs over with so that we can get into free agency and see what this team's really going to do. Yeah. Now, I got. Um, a lot of flack. I went to the game on Wednesday and I went to, uh, I, caught, I saw this. Yeah. I, I caught most of the first game and the first game was, was flying by. Mm-hmm. It was flying by my buddy and I got down there. And it was, is that camera always right there? the 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 one that that's filming you is that always right there No, where I feel it like is? it's moved over a little bit today. Yeah, but, it's yeah, you're, little... it's right in the middle of your face. I know, and it's I know. super <laughs> distracting. <laughs> it's just super. We can, we can distracting. try to move it during the break. Uh, I I I wouldn't. I okay. wouldn't. Glenn's in here five days a week. I wouldn't Fair touch enough. it. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. I get to the game. The game started at twelve thirty. We get down there about one thirty, and it's already a sixth inning. And we got there just in time to watch Mike Bauman give up the three-run homer. Yeah. And you know, on the one hand, you're like, I'm so glad that Hyde let him ha- tried to let, let him take the opportunity to maybe get through the sixth inning. And then when he gives up the home run, you're thinking, Oh man, I hope that doesn't make Hyde think that he should never that he should go with his gut and pull this guy. You know what I mean? Like I I, I like the fact that even though he gave up the home run, I like the fact that he was given the opportunity to get through that inning. See what you like? Because I heard Jim Hunter say it on um on a broadcast on the Orioles baseball tonight last week. That he thought that you know Hyde maybe needed to trust his starting pitches a little bit more. How do you know a guy if, if a guy can get out of a jam if you never let him try to get out of a jam, right? So the, the, I'm a big believer in even if he doesn't get out of it, at least you let him take that opportunity and it's gonna make him stronger for next time. But so we we watch that game, we go upstairs and we get into um, we go we go to our seats because we watch we watch that from behind the bullpen. We go to our seats. Taron Vavra hits the three run homer in the bottom of the eighth inning, which is. It was in Game 161. so Nobody's really paying attention. It's a big moment of the season because they're playing Toronto. It's his first major league home run. It got, it, it gave them a five to four lead, and it, it gave DL Hall his first win in his major league career. It was a big moment that just nobody really is really going to talk about because it happened in Game 161. Game 162, second game of the doubleheader lineup comes out. I'm not upset about the lineup because it doesn't make you competitive. I, they, they could have put out the, the same lineup that they put out in, in in game one and lost 12 to one. It would have been like, all right, but at least you put out a representative lineup for the for the fans to see in the final game of the year. You never know if those people are at that game because it's like, you know what? I just want I didn't get to a game this year. I I can catch this one. I'm gonna go to this game and I'm gonna watch Adley and I'm gonna watch Gunner. Gunner's not in the starting lineup. Adley Rutschman's not in the starting lineup. The Orioles lose that game five to one, and they played the a lineup where they had Terran Vavra leading off. They had Jesus Aguilar batting cleanup. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle didn't play. They had Ryan McKenna, who played both games of the doubleheader. They had Robinson Chirinos. They had Tyler Nevin in the lineup. Right, those are five guys who aren't really, they aren't really known for their bats. Right, and again, it's not the fact that they played. If you have a doubleheader and it's the last two games of the year. Play your roster. Play everybody on your roster. Give everybody a chance of playing time. But can't you sprinkle that in? Can't you do a couple of guys in the first game and a couple of guys in the second game so that the fans who want to say goodbye to their team for the next four and a half to six months can say goodbye in an appropriate manner by seeing Adley Rutschman play? by Even if he just DHs, by seeing Gunnar Henderson play? And then Gunnar Henderson, he does get into the game. He pinch hits and he walks, and then he gets another play of the and he grounds out. Adley Rutschman, we were watching him. He grabbed a helmet and came and stood on the steps of the dugout. Odor gets nipped bat. He um, he uh, walks. And then we see McKenna come up and he strikes out. And we see Robinson Chirinos is left in the on-deck circle. So Rutschman wasn't even going to pinch hit for, for Chirinos. How do you justify giving Rufnet Odor and Ryan McKenna one last... Especially since... McKenna b- played both games giving each of them a th- that last at bat in the ninth inning and having the face of your franchise who was just voted most valuable Oriole who has tied for the greatest war in a rookie season in major league history who has a legitimate shot at winning rookie of the year the person who turned your team around and he doesn't even get in the bat in the final game of the season at home in front of the fans doesn't even get in the bat well
1: I'll play devil's advocate for a second Um you know, maybe Brandon Hyde just figured, hey, they've won 83 games. This one doesn't matter. Uh, who really cares who plays today? That, maybe that was the, the approach he took. That, that I can came but, to watch. So. But right, and that's the other argument you can make. A lot of people, I saw this on Twitter, and a lot, that was kind of the response to you that, well, you want to keep the guys healthy. Well, you you do, I guess, but there's going to be a long off season for them to get healthy if anything were to happen in this game. So I, 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 I'm, that's I'm, not that's not, not really the argument. Not
0: knock on wood, I'm fairly certain nobody's tearing a labrum or an ACL in 162. I mean, it just you it, don't know, but I'm fairly certain that's not happening. I, I, I just
1: don't think that's that's not a legitimate argument. You can't say, oh, Brandon High just wanted to keep his guy healthy. That's not that's not it. Well, and, and, and look, they have a whole off season to get healthy, right? And, like,
0: and here's the other thing. I get why he plays the better, more representative lineup in Game 1, because yeah. he wants to secure a win. Sure. I totally get that. But, I would have much rather, and I think a lot of people would have much rather seen the lineup from Game 2 mm-hmm. in Game 1. So that in Game 2, in the last game, the final chance to say goodbye, you get the, the players yeah. that you want to say goodbye to. Oh, 100%.
1: And, and what you've said, and it's kind of a narrative we've been going over the entire season, that these punt lineups similar to the one he played in game two are just not the most efficient if you want to sprinkle guys in and you have to of course you have to play the robinson torinos of the world and the tyler nevins and the ryan McKenna's. but do it in a manner that makes more sense instead of throwing all of them into the lineup at one time and basically saying okay we're not going to win this game because this lineup we have five of nine guys who can't hit why don't you sprinkle them in a little bit? Right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe let Rutchman play game 1 and Henderson play game 2. So then it's a little more balanced going throughout. And then you can just sprinkle these guys in that, you know, you have to play at some point because you, you do have to play them. They're on your bench and they they have to play at some point. So and it's me, a lot la- it's
0: the last day. I have no gripes with getting every single player on that roster And that's what I'm saying. Time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I have no gripes with that. You just have to do it more efficiently. Right. The the fact that you looked at the bench for game 2 and the names that you see on the bench are Cedric Mullins, mm-hmm. Ryan Mountcastle, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, and to a lesser extent, Austin Hayes. And
2: that's
1: been ninety percent of your offense this year. Like le-
0: legitimately, your best offensive players. You sat all of them except for Anthony Santander. Yeah. And Santander, aside from that six homers in four games stretch, which was which was awesome. Aside from that stretch. He's, I think he finished the season batting like 239.
1: I think it's going to be one of the most... We're going to talk about this, I'm sure, because he is a, a trade piece and some guy that could definitely bring value to another team, but I would say this is arguably the most confusing season for any Oriole was Anthony Santander because there were stretches where he was really good and we felt, you know, this is a middle-of-the-order bat. and I've seen people say, oh, we should get extended because of these stretches and whatever, but... I don't know if he did enough for me. You know, I, I don't know if the on base percentage Which is was there. Crazy. He hit for a lot of power. I mean, he hit what thirty one th- home th- runs? Thirty
0: three home 33? runs. Eighty nine RBIs. He had he yeah. had a slugging percent. I'm sorry, an OPS of seven seventy three.
1: But that's so low he for hit, a guy that's hitting thirty three home he runs. Could, that should be in the Because He
0: hit he hit two forty. He's right. a career two forty five hitter. Yeah. He hit two forty. His last seven games, he went zero for twenty two. Yeah. His last fifteen games, he went nine for four, for fifty four. And his last 30 games, he went 20 for 115. That's a 174 batting average yep. over his last 30 games. He finished the year, despite having a career high by 32 walks. He, he had 55 walks on the season. Okay. His own base percentage was 318.
1: That's Mark Trumbo numbers. That's not a middle-of-the-order bat. You know, however you want to play, that's not a middle-of-the-order bat in a 2023 playoff team. And that's what I think the Orioles are going to have to consider. We have, you know, we've talked about this a lot with the way that they need to add uh, a middle-of-the-order bat. Because guys like Santander, guys like Austin Hayes, they're streaky hitters, and they don't really produce consistently. And I think an on-base percentage of 318, and I assume Austin Hayes is around there, but probably a little bit lower... This is a great reason as to why the Orioles need to add a consistent middle of the order bat who gets on base at more of like a 350, 360 clip. 318 is is simply not cutting it. I'm not asking for a guy like Juan Soto who has a, you know, 400 on base percentage year to year, but a guy who's just more consistent and, you know, the strikeout numbers aren't super high and makes a lot of contact. And maybe that guy's Colton Cowser. I'd like Let's, to believe that guy's Colton Cowser. So,
0: based on. Um I guess a certain number, a certain number of bats, because Adley Rutschman. Unless he led the Orioles in on base percentage. Sure. This is what MLB, the MLB app, has for the Orioles top five in OBP. Number one, Anthony Santander and Cedric Mullins, three eighteen. Austin Hayes, three oh six. Ryan Mountcastle, three oh five. Jorge Mateo, two sixty seven. We're yeah. talking about, we're talking about Jorge Mateo like he should be an everyday player next year for the Orioles. His OBP is two sixty seven. I will get I'd rather his batting average be 267.
1: I'll give him the pass there because he is so dangerous on the base paths and he is an incredible right, but, defender
0: but that's a super utility guy it is I that's, I, that's I don't disagree guy. but he
1: did I, I believe he was at least a three war player this year I War is very but that's because because of, of volatile his de-
0: that's because of his defense
1: but that's not a it's still three it's still a three and a half win player right I mean right. I, I don't think we can discount that but just so, because I, of his I, defense I
0: ran into Luke Jackson at the game on Wednesday Right. I, I ran into... And this has really become stream of consciousness with the, with this conversation, because I had a direction I wanted to take this show in, and we have not gone in that direction, but we'll get back on track. But I ran into Luke Jackson at the game between between the two games on Wednesday, and he said, Jorge Mateo could be a starting shortstop for the Cleveland Guardians, because that's a guy that you can bat ninth, he can play good defense for you, and he helps you win your division. He can't be a starting shortstop in the American League East. Not when you have... The Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays, and then the Red Sox who you know are gonna bounce back, all in your division. You can't hit, have a starting shortstop that hits two twenty with a two sixty seven on base percentage. He can play he can come in as a defensive replacement, he mm-hmm. can pinch run, he can get a couple of starts a week. I love Jorge Mateo. I don't think he should be an everyday player. I just don't. I think I think Joey Ortiz can play just as good a defense for you at the major league level and hit better and get on base better. I, I, I really believe that. But, like I said, we're getting off track here. Overall, the Orioles season was a wild success. They exceeded any and every expectation put out there. There's not one. If one person tells you they expected this, they're lying to you, and they you should probably cut them out of your life, right? Um, so what are your favorite moments? I'm going to go through some of mine. One, and, and these are in no particular order. I'm saying this one first just in case I forget it. I loved the season sweep of the Texas Rangers. Just something about the Texas Rangers has always rubbed me the wrong way. And maybe it's because they beat the Orioles 30-3. And maybe it's because Josh Hamilton hit four home runs against him and almost had a fifth and he missed it by like six inches. But a season sweep of Texas, he went out and spent $500 million on free agents to finish in dead last place in their division. That felt That was so awesome to me. Uh, the Terran Vavra three-run shot in the bottom of the ninth gives the Orioles a 5-4 win. His first Major League home run, D.L. Hall's first Major League win, and Brian Baker's first Major League save. I just thought that was a cool moment. Gunnar Henderson home run in his first for his first big league hit in his first big league game. Adley's debut was the changing of the tide for this team, even though they were pretty bad for three weeks while he was here. They then took off after that three-week mark. Austin Hayes, even though we've hated him a lot, hitting for the cycle in six innings in a rain-shortened game against the Nationals in June was one of the coolest things. And I remember I was watching Stranger Things in the in the rain delay with my wife, and we were in the middle of an episode when they came back. So I was watching it on my phone, and I saw him hit the double and I went, he did it! Oh my God, he did it! It was such a cool moment. It was just, it was really cool. Three straight winning months after none. Since 2017, you had a winning month in June, July, and August. And you started out September, I believe, with three wins and then it kind of fell off. That was that was awesome. Seeing this team consistently win for an extended period was like, this team's for real. It, you, there were no doubts. It wasn't, this is a fluke and they just had a good month. They played good baseball, good winning baseball for over three months. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome to see. Eight walk-offs this year. I'm kind of doing these in reverse order from the way I had them in my notes. But eight walk-offs in total this year after they only had one between 28, between 2019 and 2021. Uh, the 2019 and 2020 seasons, they only had one walk-off the entire time. Uh, and they had three of those walk-offs this year came in four days in May against the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. That was just like the coolest thing ever. Was walking off against the two teams that are favored to win the division, maybe get to the World Series, was super cool. The twelve to eight win over Boston after trailing six nothing in the third inning—that was a big win. And Zach and I were at the game on Easter Sunday. Nestor Cortez strikes out twelve, no runs over seven innings. It's soon, but he was matched. And I can't remember who started for the Orioles in that game. It may have been Jordan Lyles. That sounds right. Um, yeah. But they, they they went they went toe to toe. It's nothing, nothing out to the seventh inning, and then the Yankees go to the bullpen, and the Orioles score five runs in that inning, including two-run base hits from Neto Door, and Ryan Mountcastle. That was like that was just a really awesome win at the beginning of the year. It doesn't feel like it was six months ago, but it was. But uh, yeah, so for me, that was actually it was exactly six months ago. It was April eighth. Um, so for me, that was those were the coolest moments. What about you, Zach?
1: I mean, I think you covered the majority of them that I had in mind. I, I think the Adley Rutschman debut was just so impactful. We and, went to and, that game. And to we get the we team, were right? there, right? We were there, and I, I think that game really was, like you said, the changing of the tide. This was the the turnaround point for the Baltimore Royals, the the turn from a rebuild into a competitive team and getting closer and closer to that uh, that point. That game, the electricity, the intensity, all of it was just. It's beyond anything I've really experienced before. I've never been to an Orioles playoff game, so I've never really gotten to experience that kind of thing. And it felt like a playoff atmosphere to me. That was so important. And I, I think, um, you know, I wasn't at Gunner's debut, obviously, but I... I, it was, Ken Wyman was. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the energy of these moments and the mm-hmm. intensity and the importance is all it, it just it stays in your brain the entire game and i think that game was just my favorite moment of the season by far there was nothing i enjoyed more than that
0: what the the gunner game or the no Ritchman, the, the, the
1: adley Rutschman the debut there's nothing i enjoyed more than that i did want to mention one moment kyle stowers uh, hitting his first major league career home run yeah um in a game that he tied it on the last strike of basically the last strike of the game after
0: the left fielder dropped the foul after pop. adam
1: angle drops the that's on i believe it was august 26th against the chicago white Sox. adam angle drops a pop-up kyle stowers ties the game Game. the Orioles come back to win in extra innings that was an incredible moment too mm-hmm. and that was still at a point at the end of August where we thought hey the Orioles might definitely make a run at this thing might definitely and, and right might definitely make a run at this well, thing. and Kyle Stowers was we thought going to be a big part of it
0: and, and let's talk about how they might make a run at things yeah right because we talked about this they lost a bad game to the Pittsburgh Pirates um, in, in game 10, 108 uh, which is the two-thirds of the way through the season yeah last third of the season we said that they probably needed to win 33, 34 games of those, of right. those 34 to make a run at the playoffs. They, instead, they went 27 and 27. And what really, uh, the, the crazy thing is, they actually hit a season high 10 games above 500 after mm-hmm. winning, I think it was something like 9 of 12 um, at one point going into September. On September 3rd, they won a game and they got to 10 games over 571 and 61. Yeah. Their final 30 games after that, they went 12 and 18. mm Seattle from that point on went 15 and 14. The Orioles trailed them by three and a half games on Saturday after that game on September 3rd. Seattle went 15 and 14. Tampa Bay went 12 and 19. Orioles trailed them by three and a half games in the standings, and that's where my lemon, where, where lemon, my lamentations come from. Right, um, I feel like they left something on the table. Tampa Bay, and, and I got to do this quickly. Tampa Bay lost seven of nine. And 12 of 16 to end the season, including losing their final five games. The Orioles on September 9, after the game on September 18th, the Orioles were five and a half games behind Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay from that point on. Again, they lost 12 of 16 to end the season. They lost seven of nine to end the season. They lost their last five games, and the Orioles still couldn't take advantage. At they were only four. They from September 19th on, Tampa Bay won four times the rest of the year, and only once. Did they win on the day in which the Orioles lost, which was September twenty seventh? On September nineteenth and twentieth, Tampa Bay lost two games. The Orioles lost both those days to the last place Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions. Detroit Tigers. Yeah. They lost the first game eleven to nothing. It was the worst game of the year. The next game they lost three to two, and it was when Brandon High brought Joey Crable in in the sixth inning and he gave up a home run. Mm-hmm. In in that sixth inning, September twenty fourth, Tampa Bay lost. The Orioles blew a five to two lead against Houston and a nine to seven lead in the ninth inning, and they lost that game. September twenty fifth, Tampa Bay lost. O's had a winning run on third base with one out in the bottom of the tenth, and they didn't score, and they lost in eleven. Uh, Tampa Bay lost September twenty eighth and twenty ninth. Orioles lost to the last place. Boston Red Sox three to one and five to three. Both teams won on September thirtieth. The Orioles were eliminated after the games on September thirtieth, right? Which means, if the Orioles have won the games that they should have won, instead of being eliminated after the games on September 13th, they would have been a half game behind Tampa Bay with five to play. Those remaining five games, Tampa Bay, we already said they lost all of them. The Orioles won two, and it's not like Tampa Bay. If they had played better, uh, or if the Orioles had play- won those games, Tampa Bay would have still been playing. Was still playing for playoff seating. It's not like they they, they rested their guys. Those right. last five games. They, they were still playing for playoff seeding because they don't want to be a rogue team, right? Tampa lost those five games. The Orioles won two of them. The end of the season, the Orioles would have been a game and a half up in the playoffs. Yeah. The, the games that, they, that we expected them to win against, Tampa, against Detroit, against Oakland, against Pittsburgh, the, the not, not sweeping Oakland, losing five of seven to Boston in September, losing... 2 of 3 to Detroit at home and 5 of 6 overall to Detroit in the in the regular season, losing th- uh going 3 and 4 against Tampa uh, I get Tampa Bay, against Oakland. The Orioles against the six they played the six worst teams record-wise in baseball this year. They went 14 and 15 Against the six worst teams in baseball, again, lost 5-7 of seven to Boston in September. They had a losing series in Cincinnati, 3-4 and four versus Oakland, 1-5 and five versus Detroit. They lost Hayes, Mateo, and Mountcastle at the exact same time after taking 2-3 yeah. in St. Louis and proceeded to lose six straight. They lost to the Cubs at home in a game they should have won. They lost 2-3 to Minnesota where there should have been a sweep, but they had two walk-off home runs against Jorge Lopez. They lost 6-of-8 after reaching a season-high 10 games above five hundred to pretty much kill the season, and again, not being able to sweep the A's and the Pirates. These are the things that make you feel like the Orioles left something on the table, because it's not like they, they were losing to, be, to good teams. They were losing to losing teams, and it cost them. It cost them the playoffs, and that's where I get upset. The season's a wildly successful outcome. Everything that happened this year was fantastic. But they they should have and could have made the playoffs. Tampa Bay basically opened the front gate and stood off to the side. And the Orioles just kept... It's like I was watching a guy... I remember I worked at the kiosk in the mall. It was a sunglass stand in the mall when I was a teenager. And there was a bank right there. And there was this guy. And it's this old man. And one of the glass doors is closed... And one of the glass doors is open. The glass door that's closed is locked. And I watched him pushing that closed glass door for two minutes. Couldn't figure out how to get out until he looked over and saw that the door next to him was wide open. And he came out he saw me laughing. He goes, are you laughing at me? I was like, I mean, sir, I'm sorry. The door was wide open. That's how I feel about the Orioles. It's like the door was wide open, but for some reason they kept still trying to walk through the closed door that was locked. It just... They left a lot on the table. I know. It's a rant. We got to get Stan the Fan on the line. The Stan only has a limited amount of time today anyway, so I do apologize for keeping him um, waiting with us. want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by PressBox's Glenn Clark Radio, which is a definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys called up with NBC's Mike Tirico, former Ravens offensive coordinator Marty Mornhinweg, and Maryland safety Bo Braid. Find those interviews and this week's Tyus Bowser show with special guest Mark Andrews in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. I feel like I kind of glossed over that. Mark Andrews will be, or was, on the Tyus Bowser show. I th- he's going to be, I believe, on the Tyus Bowser show. No, he was. He was on the Tyus Bowser show this past week. So please go to the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressboxOnline.com because you're going to get to hear Mark Andrews on the Tyus Bowser show. Uh, we're having a little bit of trouble getting Stan online. I know that Stan is headed down to College Park um, with Gary Stein today. I guess they're catching the Maryland-Purdue game, which is that's a that's a big game. So. We're going to keep trying to call Stan. Sometimes these things happen. He pro- he may have forgotten. He may have forgotten that we were that we were doing this, or maybe he's wrapped up in conver- conversation with, um... Zach, just try this last time. If he doesn't answer, we'll just wait for him to call. And if he doesn't call, you know, well, we can talk to him next week, or I can, because Zach, Zach's not going to be here next week. Uh, I can't remember what he's doing, but he's not going to be here next week. So, uh, Ryan Blake will be filling in. I'll be producing the show. I got a bone-up on that, because it's been a while, but, uh... Now, we'll keep trucking along here on the bat around today. Orioles, 83-79, and 79, had an opportunity at the playoffs, hoping that what they do in this offseason gets them over that hump. And Zach does have Stan on the line. Zach has Stan on the line. We're going to talk to him in just a moment about the Orioles' season as a whole. All right, joining us now on the bat around, as I just said, um, Stan, the fan, Charles, and I stands in the car, I believe with Gary Stein on his way down to the Maryland. Stan, you're going to the Maryland football game today? Going to the Maryland
3: football game today, Mr. Stein and I. Yep.
0: S- sounds, sounds like a blast. I know you have limited time, so we'll try and keep things short here with you today. Okay. Uh, Stan, Orioles end the season 83 and 79. You look back at the season. Are there any moments in particular that stood out to you as things that you're going to remember forever?
3: Uh, that's a pretty, uh, long, uh, I got a lot of memories now because I'm 70 years old, <laughs> yeah. uh, Paul. So I don't know about, no, uh, uh, remembering them forever. Obviously the, uh, of, uh, Rutschman and, um, and Gunnar Henderson are really special moments to me. Uh, those games in, uh, those games in Houston, where our pitching, you know, really stepped up. Watching Jorge Lopez uh, end up you know, becoming a really good relief pitcher when that's what I projected him as, and then watching us uh, make those couple of trades. Of course, Trey Mancini' last, uh, you know, home run that he hit as an Oriole being an inside the park home run.
2: Oh, uh, Mo Gabaday, yeah,
3: flooded. Yeah, that flooded back a lot of memories about Mo. And everything. So there were moments. Um, but, you know, the real memories are when you start to win, you know, those yeah. become the ones you remember forever.
0: I, I, I agree. Now, Stan, the, the team improved by 31 wins. It's the biggest turnaround in the sport in 123 years. You look at what Scott Servais did out in Seattle. He took that team back to the playoffs for the first time since 20, 20, since 2001, ending the longest drought in American sports. Um, you look at Terry Francona. The the Guardians weren't expected to do anything. They go out there and they win the division, and then they win their first game in the playoffs, which doesn't matter for manager of the year. Um, and then Dusty Baker winning over 100 games again with Houston. Is Brandon Hyde the manager of the year, or are those guys going to have something to say about it before it's all said and done?
3: Uh, You know, as much as I'd love to see Brandon win the award and, uh, Brandon is certainly, uh, doing, in my opinion, has done a really, really good job under tough circumstances with the Orioles because very similar, not that he's a similar manager or personality to Buck Showalter, but he's created, he's created the culture in there. You know, Mm -hmm. the players end up adhering to the culture that he sets down and, uh, He's done a wonderful job, but I think the job that Scott Service did uh, or has done in Seattle is going to warrant him winning the award this year.
0: Yeah, I I, I think he's probably my favorite to win. I, not that he's the one I want to win the most, but I think he's the guy. I mean, you end a 22 season playoff drought, and I, I'm 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 pretty sure that that you're the guy that's gonna win that's gonna win the award. And if it's not him. Terry Francona taking a team. He did what Brandon Hyde did, right? He took, he took a team that was an ex, that was expected to finish dead last. And not only did he have them a winning team, he went a little bit further and won the division. And to me, it's those yeah, two guys. Well, he's, he,
3: yeah, he's a great manager, Terry Francona. I, I did not buy that they were going to be a last place team, but that's me. Well, I, know, th- I thought their I, pitching I would be true for that. Yeah, exactly. They, they've got some terrific pitching. And they're they're kind of my sleeper team. And now that I watched what Luis Castillo did yesterday, you know, if Robbie Ray can keep the ball in the ballpark, uh, that's a awfully tough duo at the top of that rotation in yeah. Seattle. You know,
0: yeah, the blue Jays are going to have their hands full. We'll, we'll get to that here in, in just a minute. Stan. Yep. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you're lamenting from this season? Like, like I just went over it with Zach, um, Tampa Bay stand down the stretch. The last 16 games, they they won four games. They only won one time on a day when the Orioles lost. And the Orioles didn't take advantage. So I went through it, and the games that we feel like the Orioles should have won, like the two games that they lost to Detroit, getting losing three or four to, um, to Boston, stuff like that, losing games where they had leads late or opportunities to win late, the Orioles would have been a game and a half up on Tampa Bay at the end of the year if they had handled their own business and they didn't. So when I so when I ask you, do you lament anything from this season, is that something that you feel like maybe they left something on the table or is it all just wildly successful in your eyes?
3: Uh, to me, it's it's not that it's wildly successful. It was surprisingly successful. And I always find in sports that teams... They don't just normally, they don't just go from where the Orioles were to knowing how to win. Sure. Know, there's something sure. about knowing how to win. And I think they learned some lessons this year through that, you know, but it, but it was interesting when I wrote the column shortly after Labor Day, uh, I wrote a column that they weren't out of it. I, I was pretty spot on on how they had to do it. They just had to take care of their business. They mm-hmm. couldn't lose two out of three to Boston. They couldn't lose those first two games to Detroit. A lot of times those are the games, not the ones head up with the you know your closest competitor, um, you know, because we were looking at Tampa at that time as our closest competitor- I mean Toronto as mm-hmm. our closest, and we lost what four out of f- three out of four to them and then two out of three to them. Um, you know a lot of times it's not those losses, it's the ones where you don't beat the teams that you're supposed to beat.
2: Right, so, so, it,
3: it, I think they learned a valuable lesson this year.
0: Yeah, it's it's losing two of three to Detroit, and it's losing five of seven to um, to Boston after after Labor Day. Yep. You know, the, yep. those are, you can't yep. do that and expect to to make a run. You know, I I 100% yep. agree with you. Now I'm looking at some yep. of the guys who I think who I consider to be bubble players for the Orioles, uh, and that's Ryan McKenna, Austin Hayes, and Ramon Arias. They're all under contract mm-hmm. for next year. Ryan McKenna is a fourth outfielder, uh, but I really think, uh, look, if the Orioles determine they want a more consistent player playing in the outfield every day than Austin Hayes, does that then make Hayes your fourth outfielder? Does he push Ryan McKenna out? So I'll I'll, I'll ask that question first.
3: Well, I uh, you know it, it, there's so many different ways that this can go at mm-hmm. this point in time. You know, uh, Mike Elias, uh, I. I was unable because of the Jewish holidays to go down to to be there for his uh, meeting with the press corps, uh, you know, end of season meeting. Uh, He wasn't detailing anything that they're going to do. You know, it was all broad strokes that they want to get better. And certainly Hayes uh, Hayes is a guy. He didn't discredit himself this year, but it was a sort of a mystifying season after the, the finish he had the last two months of 21 and the first two months he had of a brand new season, it looked like he had established himself as the most solid piece uh, in that outfield. Right. He hasn't totally discredited himself, but he's, he's become more suspect as to not to whether he's going to have a major league career. He clearly is going to have a an okay major league career in the next six, six, eight years or something like that. But it's whether he is a piece that you want to have around. I kind of agree with you that I've, I've, I'm ready to kind of. We have got to do better than that, you know. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know how it's going to, you know, work out. I certainly think that McKenna proved to be an okay, you know, fourth outfielder. I'd like to see him do a little bit better than that, too. But, you know, those sometimes those aren't easy to find, the right fits.
0: You're right. You're right. Stan. Hey, and and it, yeah. it, it leads me to, um, I look at this Orioles outfield. A, a lot, uh, many people would look at this Orioles outfield at, at, on the surface and say, Anthony Santander is a switch-hitting outfielder with power. He just had a 33-homer season. Austin Hayes is a good defender with a great arm. He, who's got some pop, and he, he he probably he might not hurt you. Cedric Mullins just came off a 30-30 season, followed up with a 16 homer, 35 stolen base season with 30 doubles. Uh, he had a good and he played Gold Glove defense. He had a great year too. But then you look at it, your outfield those three outfielders their own base percentages are 308. I'm sorry, 306, 318, 318. Don't you need yep. better production? from your outfield than 306, 318, 318 for the OBP?
3: Well, you know, there's no question about it. You're, you're, you know, it's, it's not a, a secret that, you know, teams that win world series don't have, you know, throughout their lineup and then you throw Moundcastle into it,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
3: and Mateo, what, like a three, Yeah. And Mateo's under 300. There are reasons that, yeah, there, there are reasons that the Orioles, weren't able to win 95 games, 98 games this year. Why it peaked out at 83. It, that stuff catches up with you. might not catch up with you over a two-month period, but that's the beauty of baseball is it, uh, you know, as a lot of players, I hear it more and more now from players, it's a game of failure, you know. You, you fail two out of three times, and you're still doing really good, you know, and uh, our guys, unfortunately, we've got too many too many non-productive at-bats in the lineup.
0: Yeah, guys that failed three out of four times. You're right. You're, abs- you're yeah, absolutely yeah. right. So it, it's going to be interesting. And don't, do, and don't do the
3: other things. I like walk, work to count, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, again, again, I get back to Moundcastle, who's got so much abil- natural ability. But, uh, again, when, you, when you're 20, start to be 26, 27 years old, and you haven't mastered control of the strike zone, you know, I mean, when you watch an at-bat that Adley Rutschman has, and then you watch uh, Ryan Mountcastle kind of flail at anything they throw up, almost making the decision before the pitch is out of the pitcher's hand that he's going to swing at the ball. That's not that's not going to cut it, in my opinion, uh, when you're trying to build a championship
0: team. No, I, I agree with you. The, the good news is that you do have Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, who take professional at-bats, and Tarim Bavra, I I don't know that Terran Vavra is going to be an everyday player, but he takes professional at bats and he has good bat to ball skills. And even to a certain extent, um, even to a certain extent, at least in the minor league level, Kyle Stowers was decent at getting on base, only 306 on base percentage in his cup of coffee in the major leagues. But they have guys. But you're absolutely right. You can't have five guys in your lineup who have an on base percentage between 267 and 318. And it's going to be interesting to see. <laughs>
3: Hey, real quick, it's not just an indictment on this team. If you go back to the last Oriole team that was really entertaining and, mm-hmm. and fun, you know, the t- 2012 to 2016 right. Orioles, you know, Adam Jones, the difference between Adam Jones being a Hall of Famer and being just a, a really solid player is his own base percentage Plate is discipline. like 318. Yeah. Mark, Mark Trumbo, it was great that we had the Trumbo Jumbos for three years, you know, but but his on-base percentage was routinely under 310. Yeah. You know, that team in and of itself, it was like a 315, 318 on-base percentage, where the Royals, the team that beat us, uh, was like 335, 340, you know. yeah, it's a no, huge difference.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Stan. I, I That was my biggest thing. I didn't want Mark Trumbo to get a contract with the Orioles. They signed him, and I was like, oh. I, I made myself happy about it, but I didn't want it because— he didn't get on base. That, a guy was, that, hits,
3: that was all. That was all. Peter. Peter Angelos. You okay. know, forty-seven home runs. No, yeah.
0: Yeah. You have you yeah. hit forty-seven home runs and your on-base percentage is three sixteen. That that's yeah. The, one of these yeah. things is not like the others, right? Yeah. I know. Oh, just yeah. a couple more minutes here with you, Stan. Um, I'm going to skip over the Torino's and the O'Dor questions because they're just really not important. Um, do you yeah. think the lawsuit and the Goldman Sachs reports about um, helping the Orioles with the sale of the club? will make free agents leery of coming to Baltimore.
3: Nah, I don't I don't think so. No. Yeah. The, right. the Orioles aren't about the, the Orioles aren't about to sign any life-altering contracts to free agents. You know, they're not they're not giving a a current version of a 10-year Albert Pujols strike type of contract. I don't think players they they would love to know who they're playing for. Juan Soto's agent, Scott Boros, made that point that that was part of why his client didn't want to sign with the Nationals. They didn't know who the ownership would be. They didn't know the face or shape of the rebuild there. That's perfectly understandable. But any free agent that's looking at here and is talking about a two, three, max four year contract is not going to be put off by, oh, I don't want to go there. They're offering me $60 million over four years, but I don't know who the owner is going to be. I just don't think that they think about that.
2: Sure,
0: fair enough, fair enough. And then finally, Stan, yep. Playoff started yesterday. Yep. Um, the Rays lose to the Guardians two to one. Blue Jays lose to the Mariners four nothing. Phillies with that epic ninth ninth inning down two nothing. They score six runs to win six to two. Padres handle Max Scherzer and the Mets seven to one. Who do you have uh, for the rest of this wild card series heading into the divisional round?
3: Well, the national league certainly didn't go according, you know, according to Hoyle. Uh, I thought, hmm. uh, Oliver Marmo, the rookie manager of the, uh, Cardinals left his, uh, closer out there a little too long, you know, uh, bringing the secondary pitcher in when the bases are already loaded, and there's one out and, uh, he's already let up a run when you only had a two nothing lead. I thought he showed his inexperience there. Hmm. Uh, you know, I've I've been spot on about the Mets this year. As much as I love Buck Showalter and and love how much Steve Cohn wants to win, um, the Mets are built. They're built to win if Steve, if Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom are pitching at their highest level, and neither one is. Right. So it wasn't totally a shock to me. It's a little shocking again. I think Buck got got gobsmacked by how it just got out of hand, you know. Mm Uh the three run homer, uh the three run homer that put it way out. I knew he was in big trouble when he gave up a home run to Grisham in the second inning. I said, this is just not Max Scherzer. But you know, he looked like he calmed down in the third and fourth and it just all blew up like a hand grenade in his face. So the Mets um they're they're in some trouble. The Cardinals, uh, you know, the, the problem with the Cardinals in a three-game series is today Miles Miklos is pitching for them, but Aaron Nola is pitching for the Phillies, I believe. Uh, and that's, that's not a task that I'd like to have to, you know, win that game. So right. I think both of those, I think both of the road teams really have command of those series right now because they're so short, such short series. Uh, in the American League, um, I think Seattle is, would have picked. I would have picked Manoa to be dominant yesterday. He was anything but.
2: Mm-hmm. Seattle's
3: got a big upper hand in that series, and of course the uh, other series. I, I just uh, Tampa to me, you know, they got Tyler Glass now today, who's who's a sensational pitcher if he's healthy. But they look like the JV to me versus. Yeah. The, the really good
0: team glass now so, not stretched out and he's starting in a playoff game for you in a in a in a, in a, in a do or die game i i, I don't know and, and yeah,
1: Stan, i don't I, I don't
3: like that i yeah. read
1: somewhere he's probably only gonna go five innings yeah if if that if, if right.
0: that if that, yeah. and, and, right. and, and Stan we talked about the race collapse down the stretch they lost seven of nine uh 12 of 16 and their last five games overall to finish the season I, I think they're on their way out i think they're on their way i wouldn't be surprised yeah to i think they're on their swing. way out yep yeah. 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 All right, Stan, yeah. have say hi to Gary for me. Have a great time at the Maryland football game. I wish I was doing the same. Um, what do you have I coming wish up we this had week? Time. I
3: wish we had I wish we had time for Gary to come on with you. He's got this really interesting idea to juice up the uh, baseball playoffs in the first round. But I don't want to speak Okay. Mind blowing the idea he has.
0: Okay. Right. Speaking of it, I do want to I do want to ask you real quick. Do you yeah. like the three-game wild card series better than the one-game win or go home? Yes, I
3: like the three. I like the three. Yeah. I like this uh, the way it builds toward a crescendo with the three, then a five game, then a seven, and then the World Series.
2: I like it, too. Yeah. All
0: right, very good. All right, yeah, have, like have, have a great time, right, Stan. We'll talk to you soon. All right, All right. we'll talk next Saturday. Okay. Right, Bye. Bye. And that was Stan the Fan Charles joining us for his weekly segment here on The batter I just want to remind you that Stan has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and his uh, Maryland football buddy, uh, Ross, uh, Gary Stein, every Thursday, I'm sorry, they chat with a different newsmaker in the world of sports. And every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. This week, Stan and Ross held an Orioles end-of-season roundtable with press box editor Luke Jackson. And he previewed next week's Maryland Five Star with Marty Ballman and Kaylee uh, Collett. Find those or it may be Kaylee Callie. If I mispronounce your name, I apologize. Find those shows under the videos tab at Facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at Pressboxonline.com slash radio. Stan and Ross are back on Monday with another great show, Guests to Be Determined. Zach, I, I wanted your opinion on the little rundown I did about Tampa Bay. Uh, about how poorly they played down the stretch and how the opportunity was right there for the Orioles to coast into the playoffs and they, they kind of blew the opportunity. I
1: I don't necessarily agree with you. Um, I, I'm i still looking at it from the perspective I looked at it when the season started. And that's the fact that the Orioles were not supposed to make the playoffs. Okay. And they had very little chance. I mean, I think Fangrass projected them at like 0.1% chance to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, which was largely the the conclusion that most people had come to that they weren't going to uh, when the season started. I don't think the expectation by anyone for the Orioles was to do any more than what they did. I think they reached far and above the expectation mm. of most I, I, people. Overall, that's how I feel. Therefore, I don't really see this as a... As a as a loss, I see this as a win. You had a great season. You, you went out there and you won eighty three games, and you set yourself up for a fantastic twenty twenty three. And I think that's all you could have asked for. I, I, don't, I think you're misinterpreting I don't, my my, no, my thoughts not. on this. So my I get your thinking that they lost a lot of games; they should have won against teams that. Yeah, because
0: aren't, I'm not, I'm not. This season's a win. this season. I, right, is, I'm, I'm getting there. Hold on. Okay. I,
1: I think that they did leave some games on the field sure they, they they could have beaten teams that were worse than them such as the pirates such as boston sure they they could have beaten those teams but the fact that they weren't expected to in the first place and they weren't they really shouldn't have won a lot of the games that they did in the first place i mm-hmm. mean 83 wins is probably 13 more than i thought they were going to get in actuality the season so in fact I think they won a lot of games they probably shouldn't have so the fact that they missed out on some games that maybe they they should have won down the stretch isn't really too upsetting to me so maybe that doesn't answer your question totally but I think that this is within realistic expectations what the Orioles could have done at their peak this year is win 83 games if that makes sense
0: yeah and uh, and I think that they did. That this was their peak, right? This is yeah, so far yeah. and away above where we expected their peak to be. Like th- this is Mount Everest compared to you know some hill out in yeah. Western Maryland, right? It, like, it, and one, it, one more part of my
1: point is that I think what they what they could have won all those games they could have won against the bad teams is what they're building towards. Mm-hmm. They got to get there to be the team and, that and, can and, do that.
0: And that's what Stan said. Yeah, he, he said that. Teams don't go from losing 110 games yeah. one year to just knowing how to win the next year. This is still a young team that is learning how to win. How to win, right? right? And and so losing these games, if the, if you were to take the Orioles, if you were to take that roster, mm-hmm. and you would sit them down and show them my notes about Tampa Bay, yeah, I don't know that their reaction would have been, oh man. I can't believe we let this one slip. They know what, what, sure, what was it. Sure. I think their reaction would be next year. That's not acceptable. Right. Next year, we just just wait. You know, I I don't think that they would feel bad. I think that they would be like, you know what, let's go out there and 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 flip yeah. this one its head next year. And this isn't
1: a slight to anyone, right. but on the Orioles team. But I, I think that you look at the talent level that they had. And eighty three wins is more than the talent that was on this team. It just is. You yeah. know, guys like Rugneto Odor, they they out technically outperformed what I even expected of him. I expected worse, and he was still horrible. I expected so, him to be
0: DFA'd by the end yeah, by, right. by I mean by June, and he was still and he makes exactly. the whole
1: season. Some some of these guys, like the Orioles team in general, really exceeded expectations mm-hmm. and. 83 wins, again, is above that talent level that I believe the Orioles are at. So once you add more talent this offseason, and I've been talking about the bench and really improving the efficiency and the quality of the guys there, it's gonna be you're going to start winning those games uh, right. in, in Boston and in Pittsburgh. You have to win. I think that's going to be a next-year thing. And again, like Stan said, you've got to learn how to win, and you're going to build up to winning those games that – you're not going to look at the end of the season and go, "Hey, we should have won that game two months ago," right? Like it, this is something you're going to build up to because there's better depth on your team because there's better talent quality in your starting lineup, and I think that's something that's going to be big for them this offseason. And th-
0: that leads me to something interesting that Stan said there towards the end when I asked him about are free agents going to be leery to come here because of the lawsuit and because of the Goldman Sachs hiring, and he said they're, the Orioles aren't going to be signing any players to those big contracts, mm-hmm. you know, and people that are going to be getting four for sixty aren't going to not come here because they don't know who ownership is. It's kind of do you do you stand with Stan on that uh, that the Orioles like, again, not necessarily because if you, if you're saying that you're if Mike Elias says we're ready to compete with the rest of the guys in the Ameri- with the with yeah. the big dogs in the American League yeah. East and this lift off from here and we have payroll flexibility it's, it's, I, and I think a lot of people read into that the same way the Stan does because we yeah. have no other option because of what we've seen it, history repeats itself with right. this team right. But Michael Elias has never been in this situation. We have no right. idea what he's going to do, but I have to believe that he's going to be signing signing people, free agents, to bigger contracts in four years, $60 million. Possibly. It depends on what's out there. If, 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 I mean, I'm not saying that there won't be a player like that that, mm-hmm. comes, that comes in here, but if you want to be competitive, you're going to have to spend the money on the players that make you competitive.
1: Well, I don't think Michael Elias is going into this saying... We're definitely not going to sign a guy to a uh, a six-year, seven-year deal. I don't think he's going in saying that. I think he's probably going in saying, okay, let's see what we got. Let's see what the other teams do. Let's see if we can get the player at the price we want. And we'll go from there. I don't think he's really, you know, again, I always say it about speaking in definitives. And I don't think GMs really ever do that. They don't ever say, we're not going to go do this. They say, okay, let's see what we got. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll sign a guy. Maybe only sign two guys to two-year deals. Or maybe we'll sign some guys to six-year deals. Who knows? I mean, it's. I think it's pretty wide open. And it's all really going to depend on what happens with the other teams in the league and what happens with these guys' agents and how much money they want.
0: That's, yeah, that's no, really what I, it comes I, down to. And, and I think that there's going to be... Tra- I, I know there's going to be trades. and, and I'm I think that's
1: more likely than free agency. Right. Yeah.
0: And I, I do think that they're going to sign some players. But I, even though I've been talking about it for four months now, they're not signing Aaron Judge. I know that. They're right. not They're not going to give Aaron Judge... He's going to want, at a, at a minimum, six to seven years. Yeah. Right? I think so. The, and I don't think anybody should be signing Aaron Judge for six to seven years because we've already seen in his 20s his body starting to break down. He had an historic year this year. If the offer is anything if he wants anything higher than four to five years, two hundred to two hundred and fifty million dollars, I, I don't I don't think you can do that. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think you can do that. But um I'm still gonna hold out hope. Still gonna still gonna hold out that hope. But yeah. I, I I do think you can go out and get a Trey Turner. Or That'd be a, a, huge. Or I don't think Dansby Swanson's leaving the the Braves. I think he means too much That's to them. But um, or you can go get a Jose Abre- Jose Bray Abre- might be that guy that you can sign for three. That's years. That's what I think. Th- yeah. for, for three years, and I don't know what what, what would that be uh, forty eight million.
1: I don't know if there's a more perfect fit. Yeah. I don't know if and, Luke, and
0: Luke Jackson said the same thing to me. He thinks yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jose Abreu is the perfect fit.
1: I I think it's it's literally you couldn't do better for the Orioles. You're looking for a middle of the order bat. Um, I think Mount Castle's kind of played himself into a bit of a question mark, but you have a DH spot too that you can play Jose Abreu the, in. The,
0: the glove and the talent for Mount Castle is going to keep him as an everyday first base.
1: I I think so. It's just that Jose Abreu is a guy that's established. He's won an MVP, albeit in a short season, but still Jose Abreu is that middle of the order bat that you've been talking about for two months. Yeah, he, he, he is that guy. He
0: hits. Three hundred with thirty homers and hundred RBIs every year. This every year, year, this year he didn't hit. He didn't hit the home runs, but he still drove in close to hundred, and he still hit over well over 300.
1: And I want to say his on base percentage was in the three sixties or three yeah, seventies. and he, that is the middle of the order bat they need.
0: He gets on base. He absolutely gets on base. So that, Zach, we're gonna do sounding off because it, sounding off for you ties into what Stan was saying at the yeah. end about um, the three game wild card round, and you don't like it. I don't like it. I okay so. I wasn't a big
1: fan of the way that it was structured in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. You talk about the one game, and you're playing 162 games in the regular season, and then your season's going to be decided by a one game wild card. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense to me. I always think wild card game or wild card series should be three games. I think that's very fair. What I don't like is the fact that teams that win their division still now in this, under this new CBA, have to play in the wild card series. I don't think it's fair to the Cardinals or the Guardians, who went out there and won well over 90 games and won their divisions, to go have to play teams that didn't win their divisions. And I know that you know there's five teams in each division and that sometimes you're not going to win your division. Like Tampa, or Toronto, for example, is a very good baseball team that didn't win their division. Uh, the Mets are the same way. But why should the Cardinals and the Guardians, as teams that won their divisions, have to play teams that didn't? To me that's not fair. They should get and I know football does it the same way. The NFL's done that for years and you know if you're not the one or two seed, you have to, you know, play play teams that are the wild card teams. I get that. But to me, I, I think this is a step backwards. I think they could, you know, they could have done it how they originally did it where there's two wild card teams and they play each other in a three-game series. That's how I'd prefer to do it. Mm-hmm. Not have teams that win their division play in the wild card series. I just don't I don't find that to be right.
0: Yeah, and look, it's either you keep the playoff format the way it was, and you don't mm-hmm. add the extra team in e- in each league, and then Tampa yeah. Bay doesn't make the, doesn't make the playoffs this year. And right. honestly, they probably shouldn't have. Losing, they won eighty six si- games. Yeah, they 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 lost twelve or sixteen down the stretch. Yeah. They lost their last five games, seven of their last nine, and they made the playoffs.
1: I think this is the worst Tampa Bay team to make the playoffs in a very long time. Oh, I, I agree with
0: you. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, so I I I agree with that. And on the, on the other hand, if you add the extra playoff teams. Mm-hmm you need to have more than the extra wildcard team because if you want all three division winners to get that first round by, yeah. uh, then... You'd,
1: you'd have to expand it even more. You'd have to expand yeah. it
0: to... I, I'm, I'm thinking it would have to be... I'm
1: saying go back to the
0: two wildcard teams. That, yeah, that's yeah, my th- opinion. There's no, other, yeah. there's no other way to do it. There's, no, there's you, no other way to do because then right. even if you expand it t- to 10 teams, now you have teams that are right at or right below 500 yeah. making the playoffs, and then you have... Five wildcard teams and three division winners. No, you're not gonna. I mean, after the first round, yeah. it it it's a whole thing. They found a nice little way to do it to make it more like the NFL, mm-hmm. where you your two top teams get buys. Get the buys, right? And the NFL doesn't even do that anymore. That only the top team, right? Gets, they they are changing that. Yeah, get, that's gets, right. they they that's changed it right. the last year. Yeah, only the top yeah. team gets the buy now. But so they. I don't. I don't have an issue with it. I like the three game series. I like. I like knowing that my team has more of an opportunity to make the yeah. playoffs because once you get in, you you still you have you still have to go win a World Series. You no, it, I mean? it,
1: it's really just the division winners having to play in that series is my issue with it. I like the three games itself because again, you play 162 and then your season is decided by one. I, I don't think that really makes sense. Yeah, that
0: that that, that never made sense. Yeah, but yeah. um, I don't know. I I I don't have an issue with the playoff format Fair enough. because. It, it, We've seen in other sports the top two seeds they get the buy, and then if you didn't win your division, you're the one team. That I, I mean, if you won your division, you're the one team that didn't that wasn't one of the best in baseball. Yeah, there are four teams that are the elite of the elite in baseball. You weren't one of them. So yeah. you, should, you should have to now, and you get you get to as that as that uh, division winner as that third division winner, mm-hmm. you get to host all three games of the Wild Card Correct, series. and that's what makes that a little bit more fair. So I, I don't really have. Yeah, and an, I, an I issue with that. Your
1: argument can be: Well, if you're saying the Cardinals and the Guardians are so good, why are they no, not going to go out there and just you know blow the brakes off the teams they're playing? Because it's baseball, and that's my that's my counter argument to that. Because it's baseball, well, and anything can happen. I don't, even, happen in the I don't even think
0: that that's a fair argument because I don't think anybody yeah. thinks that the Guardians are better than the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays didn't win their division because right. the Yankees. The Yankees, were, were better. Yankees were historic. The, I don't think the Yankees are a better team than the Blue Jays. The Yankees were historically good yeah. for three months and they got so far out in front and, and the yeah. Blue Jays were kind of playing under their their talent level Correct. to the point where they had to fire their manager. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, And you're not going to convince me that the Cardinals are a better baseball team than the Mets or the Braves. The, the two teams battling it out in the NL East, the, the Cardinals aren't better than either one of them. Yeah, You know what I mean? So it's, I think it's fine the way it is. I understand your gripe. Um, but I'd rather have an extra team make the playoffs to give b- my team okay more of an opportunity. And you know, if you won your division, you didn't get the first round by at least you get to host every game of that wild card series. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, we got to catch a break. We have. Um, <clears throat> Well, first off, the first hour of today's show is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique pos- personality and driving habits. Just go check out buyatoyota.com for deals now on your new Toyota Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in from the Baltimore Sun, Andy Kotska joins the program that's next on the
4: Battleground. round Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports.
3: Online.com slash Bowser.
4: The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue, in Station North. It's brought to you by Maryland vascular specialists and the all new Ginsu Kamado Grill.
5: That first sip, that first bite Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off. Offer the rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms.
4: United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer.
6: Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But, did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your Food, 410 477 1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard
4: Tailgate. That's GinsuGrills.com. Reserve yours today.
0: All right. Welcome back to the Bat Round flying along here on a beautiful Saturday in the Baltimore and Towson area. I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast you can take advantage of our 24 7 kiosks, massive video screens and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new Fan. Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Joining us now for the first time on the program, he's the uh, I think for now the newest Orioles beat writer joining the the um, the Orioles beat back in March of 2022 from the Baltimore Sun. He is Andy Kotska. Andy, it's Paul. It's Zach. Thanks for taking some time for us this morning.
7: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Now, first year covering the team, and they post their first winning season in six years. Andy, we could have used you four years ago, man. Where have you been?
7: <laughs> uh, I was uh, doing some college. I was uh, finishing up workouts work, elsewhere, but no, it's good. It's good to be here. It was uh, it was a fun season to get started.
0: Oh, Absolutely, and we're certainly glad to have you. What was your first season on the beat like? Covering the Orioles and covering the first winning team in six years.
7: Well, it was exciting i mean there was never a shortage of, of things to write about which is a great thing between uh different clubhouse traditions you know the the goggles when they get on first base the, you know the the home run chain whatever it might be those were, those were a lot of fun you know it's, it was a really good clubhouse you know a lot of a lot of young guys that you know were open to talking to the media which which makes my job you know fun and easy so it was it was a great time
0: uh, and we all had a great time watching it. Did you get any ire from any of the other writers who've had to spend the last four or five years covering teams that lost over a hundred games and you come in and all of a sudden they're a winning ball club. Is there any like, Oh, you got to pay your dues and you didn't have to. <laughs> well,
7: I think uh, my, my beat partner, Nathan Ruiz, uh, the Baltimore Sun, you know, mentioned a couple of times. So he joined right when this, uh, right when the rebuild kind of began. So he, he struggled through those couple seasons where, you know, hundred lost seasons, all that. And, and I got to you know kind of fast forward right to when the rebuild is on the on the ending side, we'll we figure at the ending side. So, uh, yeah, a little bit, you know, you know, a couple, you know, comments here and there, but it was it was all good, and you know, it, it was it was a lot of fun to be be part of the group.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, Andy, most will agree. The turning point for the season was Adley Rutschman's debut. They did hit a, a season worse, eleven games below 500 three weeks after his debut. But you kind of felt that changing of the tie when he came out and did that little spin to take it all in behind home plate back on May twenty first. What is it about Adley Rutschman that helped get the most out of this team?
7: Yeah, I mean, they're since he arrived, they're on a ninety six win pace. This is
2: uh,
7: you know one one heck of a, of a turnaround for this club, but. He, well, first off, I mean, defensively, uh, he's one of the best pitch framers in baseball. So that really helps the pitching staff, especially young pitching staff. You know, those, those borderline calls can go their way. Um, not many. I think he had two pass balls on him the entire season, you know, really good, you know, with, with balls in the dirt and really block, really block well. So defensively, standout catcher. Easily one of the best defensive catchers in the league already. He's 24 and just, just came up. Offensively, uh, you know, pretty big presence. You know already as well. You know, he got on base at a high clip. Uh, that's the biggest thing. You know, guys get on base. That's that's awesome. Um, can do it from both sides of the plate, uh, lefty or righty. That helps uh, with with lineup construction for, for Brandon Hyde. Doesn't have to worry too much about you know matchups as much with with with, uh, with uh, But you know, I think there's also a little bit of this sense of like, hey, you know, the number one prospect in baseball is here. You know, this is kind of the changing of the tide. And I think for so long, the clubhouse had been thinking, you know, okay, the future, the future, the future. And suddenly when, when he arrives, it's kind of this feeling like the future has arrived with him mm. and now it's the present. So I feel like, you know, when a guy like that shows up, it's, it's kind of contagious for the rest of the clubhouse that like, okay, this is the start of something and, and we're going to kind of take off. And this is the next step for us. And uh, we really saw it. I mean, the, you know, not, you can't really lie about a 96 win pace when when he was here. Obviously, there was other things that that factored into that. Uh, you know, Gunnar Henderson shows up the last month of the season did really well off the bat. Uh, Felix Loquista, another rookie, does really well as a closer. But Adley was kind of the the common denominator on on the first of the big names coming up and and really having a positive impact for both the pitching staff and, and the, uh, and the offense.
0: And you mentioned his defense and his pitch framing capabilities. Adley did finish the year with eight errors behind the plate. He had a couple catchers, interferences, a couple pass balls, as you mentioned, but most of the errors were throwing errors. Were you surprised at all with some of his poor throws? And was that ever mentioned as a concern around the clubhouse?
7: No, it was never mentioned. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't all that surprised. Um, you know, he's going to be aggressive.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
7: that's, that's kind of, that's kind of a, a big thing for him. He's, he's going to be aggressive. And, you know, sometimes it, it backfires. You know, I, I think, you know, the, one of the last series, I think it was against Toronto, the last series, you know, he threw out two base runners in a game. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, was a huge boost for, for Dean Kramer, you know, being able to get out of, you know, two innings with, with runners, you know, throwing out on the base pass. You know, that's, that's what Adley brings. He, he has a good arm. Uh, he's going to test it. And he's going to, you know, try to get the best out of, uh, you know, those situations. And if a guy wants to steal, he's going to try to nab him. So, um, I wasn't really that concerned. I don't think frequently it they really came back to, to. play. I know one one time in New York, uh, you know, throwing error from him. I think it might have been two in one game. That was the that was the instance where I was like, Oof, okay, there was runner actually scored. But most of the time, it wasn't a huge wasn't a huge deal. Uh, the catcher's interferences. Um, a lot of that is. When, when you're pitch framing you kind of want to get the ball at its you know closest to the plate as you can because if you catch it too far back it's going to look more like a ball because mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the ball will drop far, farther so if he catches it closer to the plate um it basically looks closer to the zone it doesn't have to move the glove as much if you if you do that it really helps with you know deciding i guess you know how help, helps the umpire feel like that was a strike um so that, that's the biggest thing um so that kind of just is a, a sweet spot of, you know, hey, sometimes you're going to have, you know, creditors' interference. And um, you obviously don't want that to happen, but it kind of comes with the territory. If he's going to be such a good pitch framer, you're going to have to catch the ball really near the front of the plate. Sometimes you're going to catch, you're going to catch the bat with it as well. So uh, you kind of take that with, with the territory, uh, not, not the you know, end of the world. You just hope that it doesn't break his hand at some point. You know, it, yeah. so far it hasn't been an issue. That's the only issue is if he really gets caught and it hurts his hand, that would that'd be a big concern. But overall, there wasn't really a concern with, with anything Adley Rushman did. Um, he was as advertised as the top prospect in baseball and really was, was impressive all year.
1: Andy, we saw Adley hit 13 home runs in 113 games this year. Maybe not quite the power I was expecting, maybe a little bit more. I expected him maybe to be at the 18 home run or 19 home run mark. Do you expect that power to come maybe a little bit more next year as he settles in a little bit more um, and, and just maybe starts to drive the ball out of the ballpark a little bit better?
7: Yeah, actually, I think the thing that surprised me, not so much the, the home run number, but it was the fact that 12 of those home runs came as a lefty and only, only one came as a
2: right hand. Yeah,
7: um, so that was more of the surprising part. Um, you know, he was good from both sides of the plate. You know, throughout the minor leagues, almost better from the right side of the plate. Actually, if you look at his numbers, um, but he's going to get. You know, I guess the good thing is he's going to face more righties in. You know, just by statistically than he will lefties. So if he can be a, a really good lefty bat, that's that's a huge plus. And the you know if he needs to sit, there's there's a higher percentage that the O's will get a good backup catcher who's a right-handed hitter. So it kind of works out, you know, well if he if he's going to be a little bit better on the left side of the plate, it'll be fine. Um, well, I think, you know, you figure maybe next year, maybe the year beyond, some of the, the doubles that he hits are going to sneak out of the park. Um, I think the thing that was most encouraging just looking at him this year was I mean, he broke Cal Ripken Jr.'s rookie record for doubles. I think he had thirty-five or so doubles this year. Uh, the the doubles are, are what I, I really look at for a guy like him. You know, if if he hits gap to gap power, eventually, you know, when he, you know, naturally some of those are gonna gonna leave the yard next year. Get get a full season under his belt. Uh, maybe a little bit more power as he as he grows. Although, you know, at twenty-four, he's already you know he definitely has a lot of power in him already. Uh, I, I don't think I was really, you know, thinking like, oh, he's underperforming at all in, in terms of home run numbers. The, the doubles kind of made up for it, in my opinion. Right. Um, I just was surprised more so with the splits. You know, he definitely was better as a left-handed hitter this year. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, it, it's, you know, it's interesting. We'll see, I guess, next year. You know, what it, what it kind of looks like. Um, you know, from both sides of the plate. But it was encouraging that he did hit one out as a righty. Um, against a left-handed hitter. And and we'll we'll see how he kind of develops as a a right-handed hitter at the major league level.
0: And Adley strikes me as the type of guy that he's going to work on that in the offseason and come back better from the... I'm I'm sure that doesn't sit well with him. I'm, I'm sure he'll come back better from the right side next year. Now, when it comes to Adley Rutschman, it comes to Brandon Hyde, the team improved by 31 games. Who deserves more of the credit? Was it Adley Rutschman or Brandon Hyde for that big turnaround? Oof. You know... I don't know.
7: I, I don't. Uh, I don't know if I have the answer for you there. That's, um, that's quite all right. Yeah, if, if it's okay to say that both did a tremendous job, I'm gonna go the easy route and say both did a tremendous job. I Man. mean, you, you add Adley Rushman, and you know, you know what he does for the pitching staff is huge, and and I think that you know was a big thing. But then, you know, Brandon Hyde really made a case to be the manager of the year, and you know, I think he might not win it because the O's didn't make the playoffs, and that you know, most most likely you know voters will will kind of look at you know which teams going the playoffs and but a thirty one game improvement you know when, when this team was predicted to be an absolute bottom feeder mm-hmm. uh in the in the definitely the american league east you know, they, they didn't finish last, which is almost an accomplishment on itself but um being close to the playoffs this year was, was ahead of schedule, and Brandon Hyde definitely deserves credit you know in terms of how we You know, it goes about every day, you know, he constantly talks about how, you know, he didn't really change his mentality from, you know, when they're losing 100 games to when they're winning, you know, whatever it was, 84, 83. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, you know, he kind of was the same guy every day. And and I think that especially for a young ball club, they need to have a steady presence and somebody who has experience with, you know, his time with the Cubs was important because he knew, you know, how you know, playoff races work and he knows how to get to a world series as, as a bench coach. And, you know, he was around, you know, Joe Maddon. So he, he's, he's been around, he knows what a good manager is like, how steady they are. Um, and he, and he was that, I mean, he was a steady presence. And so he definitely deserves a heck of a lot of credit. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, if, not necessarily for, for your original question, if i but maybe to, to say definitively one or the other, I think, uh, give both a pat on the back and, and hope that Know, next year, you know, to kind of continue on that path.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's a tough question to answer because th- I don't know that there's a, wrong, a right or a wrong answer for that one. So um, you navigated yeah. it well. We'll, well. we'll say that. <laughs> um, so through 132 games oh, on September 30, the Orioles won a game, uh, their 132nd game, against the Oakland Athletics to get to a season high 10 games above 571 and 61. They went 12-18 and 18 over their final 30 games, and they lost some games to some teams that they probably shouldn't have lost to. Did this team just run out of gas there at the end, Andy?
7: Yeah. You know, I, I remember Brandon Hyde, I forget which which reporter asked him, but it, it was asked, you know, like, did this team basically lose steam?
2: Mm-hmm.
7: Which is what, kind of what I thought. I, I really thought, like, this team had overachieved the entire year, kind of lost some steam. And Brandon Hyde was really, you know, passionately saying that, like, if they did, they're going to learn how, like, this, this season is really going to teach them, like, this is what 162 games feels like for a young team. Like a lot of these guys, you gotta think like, you know, Adley Rushman hadn't played this many games before, right. you know, uh, even Ryan Mountcastle, you know, had never played this many games at first base in his career. You know, like this is an absolute grind for a lot of these guys. Uh, you know, so I think, yeah, they, they lost some steam, but, you know, kind of experiencing this and experiencing what, you know, having to do this over a course of a season, you know, some of these pitchers, you know, they were starting, you know, they did a full season in the major leagues for the first time, you know, a lot of these guys. So, you know, not, you know, Felix Bautista has never thrown as many innings in his life in a, in a season. So this was a learning experience for everybody. And I think, yeah, they lost a little bit of steam down the path. Um, you feel like, you know, you don't lose three out of four to the, to the, to the Red Sox. If you don't lose two or three to the Detroit, Detroit Tigers,
5: mm-hmm. you know, if you don't
7: lose, three games to the Detroit Tigers early in the season, whenever that was, March, May, whenever, whenever it was, April, I guess it was. Um, if you don't lose those three, I mean, you feel a little better. And, you know, there's always ways to kind of, you know, you can circle games in the calendar and say, like, yeah, that, that one, you know, it was a big one. And I feel like there were a couple down the stretch that, you know, they were, they were really close. I mean, if, what, they were two games out of the wild card for, for a split second there, and you know you they lose to Detroit. uh You drop a couple to, to the Red Sox. You know, and, and the Red Sox are always going to be tough to play at Fenway Park. But this year, you know, those are winnable games. And and I think maybe it was, you know, it was not not to not to heap on and say like, oh, they they could have well they could have made the playoffs. Yeah, but I don't think anybody expected it. So I don't I don't really blame them too much here for right. for losing steam. You know, when they when they overachieved at such a high level, but. Um, definitely. I think it was a case of, you know, the bats, you know, kind of went cold. Cedric Mullins was dealing with, you know, aches and pains, you know, you know, knocks for the last, you know, two months of the season, really. He wasn't a hundred percent. Brian Mountcastle was dealing with stuff, Um, uh, all stuff that they could play through, but it all, you know, it, it factors into, you know, the bats going a little cold, you know, if you're dealing with, you know, sore shoulders and things like that. So, it, I think it just was, it was a learning experience and, you know, maybe if, uh, maybe, maybe next year there's a, there's a couple of trade deadline moves to add pieces of the, the deadline and that that could really help just, uh, another arm here or there, or, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, losing, obviously the Trey Mancini trade made sense, but losing Trey Mancini, uh, a really, you know, suitable number two option as a, as a backup first baseman, now Castle had to play a heck of a lot of games at first base, yep. and, and I think he, he felt it. So next year I think will be, if they could find a backup first baseman who could really help him split a little bit more, uh, get him to DH a little bit more, that would help.
0: Yeah. Now, if the Orioles ran out of steam, Tampa Bay stalled out on, this, on the shoulder of I-95. They lost 12 of their final 16, 7 of their last 9, and f- their last 5 games overall to end the season. And Andy, they basically opened the door for the Orioles and dared them to walk through it. And the, the Orioles just didn't do it. Did you get a sense from this team towards the end of the year that they felt like something, they, like they left something on the table, like they have unfinished business?
7: You know, I think uh, there's definitely disappointment. Um, they constantly spoke about how, you know, the window was still open. It was still possible. It was still possible. And they wanted it. I mean, most of these guys you know, especially the young guys, I mean, they're used to winning. You know, they mm-hmm. they haven't experienced you know, Adley Rushman's won a college world series. You know, Gunnar Henderson went from, you know, winning everything most of the time in, in you know, Selma Alabama to, you know, now he's, you know, in the in the major leagues as a twenty one year old. So do these these guys know what it's like to win, they wanna win. Um, I think they definitely there's there was a little bit of a sour feeling and you know, sour taste in their mouth that they didn't Reach the playoffs. They wanted to reach the playoffs really badly. Um, I think that only it maybe motivates them a little bit going into the next season and says like you know that they they felt what it was like to be a winning club, and that's great and a great accomplishment for this team, considering mm-hmm. what this team had had done for the previous four seasons or whatever it might have been um since 2016. You know before you know since being a winning club, I think you know they'll go into next season. You know, really hungry and saying like, yeah, we got a little bit of taste and, and we kind of want the full thing.
0: Now, to get there, they're going to need to add to this roster. Michael Elias said it's lift off from here and he thinks that they've called up to the rest of the division and he expects to spend some money this off season. What does that look like for the Orioles? I know here in Baltimore, when we hear that in the past, it means that they're going to bring in somebody like a Jock Peterson uh, who's going to strike out a ton, not get, not get on base a ton, but he's, they're going to bring in a beer league softball guy to put in the middle of the of the order. What do you think it looks like with Mike Elias running a team when he says it's liftoff from here?
7: Yeah, Mike Elias, I don't think we'll ever get a guy who is is strikeout prone. Mm-hmm. He, you know, even if you look at, you know, a guy like Austin Hayes technically isn't the prototypical Mike Elias hitter. Mm-hmm. You know, he just has kind of you know, he, he's he's an important piece of this team, but the Mike Elias hitter is somebody who's going to get on base at a high percentage with walks. Uh, contact rate is really high, chase rate is low. Um, look at, you know, Adley Rushman, Taron Bavra, Gunnar Henderson, you know, Kyle Stowers, you know, can be in that oak a little bit. Um, those, those are the guys that, you know, have, have kind of been handpicked by Elias and, and people that he wants. So I would really look more. You know, he was. We, we spoke to him on Wednesday, and he he did a, you know, good job, honestly, of, of not specifically saying what um, facets or, or positions he wants to improve this offseason.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
7: because as soon as he does that, then the the price tags go up. You know, for you know, agents will will know that he's looking for a shortstop, and he you know is going to have to pay extra money for one. So mm-hmm. I think uh, it'd be safe to say though that he he might be looking for a shortstop. Um, there's I mean, the, the shortstop market this offseason is is going to be robust, um, especially with you know, if Carlos Correa opts out. There's Trey Turner. There's Dancy Swanson. Uh, you know, if, if Xander Bogart opts out, mm-hmm. you know that, that's a it's a very lively shortstop market. And Jorge Mateo was an exhilarating player to watch in terms of you know base stealing and, and his defensive capabilities, but his bat you know let him down a little bit um at yeah, 220 so there's definitely that's a that's a place that the o's can upgrade mm-hmm. um i don't know if the orioles will be in a position to outbid teams as much as you know they, they might not be i mean trey turner is gonna you know get a, a you know monumental deal and, and carlos correa is gonna get a lot of you know a lot of money and I would be hesitant to say like, yeah, you know, those are the names to target. I wouldn't, I would, I, mean, I they definitely will inquire. <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. I'm certain of that, but um, it would maybe look at the, the second, you know, if maybe Danzi Swanson, you know, or Xander Bogarts or, or somebody in that, in that ilk where still, you know, all-star caliber caliber shortstop, but maybe a little bit less of a, of a, a money commitment. Um, we'll see, you know, if he could could go in a completely different direction, he might say, that he he believes Gunnar Henderson is the shortstop of the future, and then he's looking at a third baseman that he wants to bring in, or he's saying, you know what, we'll go with a veteran second baseman, and we'll have Ramon Urias play third, Gunnar Henderson play second, and we'll get, you know, I don't know who's out there, but you know, look look for a second baseman. You know, that could be the way he goes. It's it's really difficult to exactly predict, but I would kind of I would kind of assume there's a short there's a shortstop in the mix potentially. And a starting pitcher would be the two places that I would I would see the Orioles kind of spending money on, and you know maybe I'm completely wrong, but uh, there's definitely a, a a vibrant shortstop market, and, and I would be surprised if the O's didn't at least inquire after some of these guys, if not make bids, and, and it might you know might lead to nothing, you know they might get outbid, and I, I don't think Mike Elias is going to spend an unreasonable amount of money and and kind of tie the O's down too much. You know, he likes the roster flexibility. He really likes, you know, there, there's there's, a part of me that's like, maybe Jordan Westberg is the second baseman next year. Yeah. And you go Urias at third, Gunnar Henderson at shortstop and Westberg at second. You know, he, he really likes his guys. And, and Westberg, you know, he improved this year in terms of, you know, his, his strikeout rate was, was down. I think that was something that he wanted to work on. Uh, that's important, you know, for, for an Elias prospect. Uh, so we'll see exactly how it all plays out. But I think the, the, the outfield pretty much stays the same. Um, you like how the outfield is constructed right now. I think, uh, you know, maybe a you, you're going to probably see a backup catcher come in. Uh, you're probably going to see another first baseman come in just to, you know, provide some help for, for Mountcastle, somebody who can DH as well. Um, and then probably, an, probably another infielder, a starting pitcher would probably be my guess. And maybe that comes in a trade. Um, He'd, you know, he he floated the idea of a buy side trade.
2: Mm-hmm. Now maybe
7: he trades a guy like Westberg and says, "Let's go get a starting pitcher with with team control." Yeah. That's possible too. Well, I, so I, th- I think there's people... a, I mean it's an exciting off season, yeah. But there's a lot of options.
0: Yeah, I think people need to be prepared for what you just said. Some some player that we all that's a prospect that we all can't wait to see might not ever play for the Orioles because they're going to be part of a package to get a starting pitcher. So I I think that's something that we're going to be looking at. Uh so baseball season's over. I'm sure you're gonna be covering a little bit of the playoffs and you're gonna be covering the Orioles off season. What do you have coming up for the Baltimore Sun moving forward?
7: Yeah, yeah. So I'll be, you know, for the first little bit here, I'll be uh, you know, kind of winding the season down with some exit interview, so to speak, uh stories. Uh, you know, got some stuff on Deal Hall, got some stuff on um Jordan Lyles a lot, a lot of players on the team, just, you know, profiles and, and what they, what they liked, what they didn't like, what they're going to work on this off season, that sort of stuff. Um, but are pitching in a little bit with, with Ravens and, and Terps as well, this off season, but definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of oils as well this off season. That's the, that's the big, uh, it's going to be an exciting off season and, and we'll see exactly, you know, what the, what the winter meetings look like. And, and, if, you know, who knows when, when, you know, Ravens gear up for post season, it could be, uh, Pretty lively time and free agency at the same time.
0: Assuming they hold enough leads to get there. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Good point. We'll see. Yep. Andy, great stuff, man. F- glad to finally uh, get a chance to talk with you, and we'll talk to you down the line. All right.
7: Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, see him.
0: That was Andy Kotzka from the Baltimore Sun. I, I told him, you know, we could have used you four years ago, man. He shows up on the beat, and the Orioles suddenly start winning ball games. It's, it's. Uh, they they should have been something. They, they should have been searching for him a while. Back. So special thanks to Andy Koska for taking some time for us here on the Battle Round. Um, we got to catch a break. I want to remind you that the Battle Round is brought to you by the Maryland five-star. You can see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the, Mar- the Mars Maryland five-star at Hill, presented by Brown Advisory October 13th through the 16th in Cecil County. We got to catch a break when we come back. The payoff pitch around the league and Orioles banter. All that and more next on the Battle Round.
4: and food and drink specials we'll see you at guilford hall brewery make the most
5: out of every day in your toyota rav4 available in hybrid or gas only models a rav4 can get you where you want to go in style check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new rav4s from your local toyota dealer today See Olympic athletes
4: in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by brown advisory october 13th through 16th learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Sports
0: betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and v Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthall help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday.
4: tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today
0: Alright, welcome back to the bat Around. round The bat round today has been brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show. And the next Tyus Bowser Show is coming up shortly and it will be announced very soon. Tyus and his special guests join Rita and Glenn all season long. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia. And it's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new... And Sue Grill, and if you happen to miss the Tyus Bowser show, don't worry—you can check it out Friday nights throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan, or you can go to Glenn Clark Radio in re- Week in Review feature at uh, PressBoxOnline.com. Um, to, and I think you can also do that at GlennClarkRadio.com as well to catch up on the Tyus Bowser show. All right, it is now time for the payoff pitch around the league. Much shorter once you hit the postseason. Tampa Bay took the lead first in the sixth inning on a Jose series solo shot, but in the bottom half, Jose Ramirez blasted a two-run shot of his own to back seven and two-thirds innings of one-run ball from Shane Bieber and give Cleveland a one-to-nothing series lead over the Rays with a two-to-one victory. It was another pitcher's duel in Philly as St. Louis as Philly and St. Louis took a scoreless game into the seventh inning before Juan Yepes hit a pinch-hit two-run homer to give the Cards a two-to-nothing lead, but then. The ninth inning happened as the Phillies used three singles, two walks, a hit by pitch, a fielder's choice, and a sack fly to, to turn a two-nothing deficit into a six-to-three victory and a one-to-nothing series lead for the Fighting Phils. Cal Raleigh hit a two-run homer and a three-run first, and the Mariners never looked back, picking up their first postseason victory since 2001 with a four-to-nothing shutout of the Blue Jays. Luis Castillo tossed seven and the third scoreless to outduel Cy Young hopeful Alec Manoa. In the win. And finally, the Mets blew a 10.5 game division lead and then blew game one of the wild card series. Manny Machado hit one of the Padres' four home runs, and you, Darvish, gutted out seven innings of one run ball to lead the Padres to a decisive victory, 7 1 over the Buck Show Walter Leb Metropolitans. The, uh, uh, Max Scherzer gave up four home runs, seven hits, and seven runs yeah. last night in four innings. He was, uh, it wasn't not, good. Not good. Not good at all. I do want to ask you before you preview the playoff game. for sure. Today, um, you, Darvish, in the seventh inning, they they thought that he may have injured himself, and they left him in the game. Mm-hmm. They're coming out to take a look at him to see if he can keep going. And I'm like, you're up seven to one. I was thinking the exact and it's the seventh same inning, thing. Just, just take him out. Yeah. You know, and this is coming from a guy who feels like starters' hands are held too much these days. He's you're up seven to one. It's a different story in the playoffs, though. And it, like, just take him out and bring somebody else in. It's a it's
1: a totally different story in the playoffs because you look at what the Nationals did in 2019 when they won the World Series, and that's that they pitched Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg out of the bullpen for a big part of that series because they simply had no bullpen to uh, to win it for them and guys like you darvish could be very 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 useful down the stretch when you need guys out of the bullpen um at the you know maybe if they get to the World Series or uh, the championship series so I I think you got to take him out there I, I don't know what they were thinking bad bad managerial decision
0: yeah I was I was shocked to say the least yeah. um but anyway what do we got on tap for the playoffs today
1: all right Rays and guardians starting in about about 20 minutes. Uh, Tyler Glassdown versus Tristan McKenzie, the Rays and the Guardians. Guardians won that first game so they're up 1-0 in the series. That'll be on ESPN2 in Cleveland. Mariners at Blue Jays at the Rogers Center on ESPN 407, the lefty Robbie Ray, the former Toronto Blue Jay, Robbie Ray, against the former Oriole, Kevin Gaussman. That's a really good pitching matchup. Excited to watch that one. Blake Snell against Jacob deGrom, another top-tier pitching Mm. matchup. Padres at Mets, 737 on ESPN at Citi Field. The Mets are down 1-0 in that series, but I think Jacob deGrom is going to pull out a win for them tonight. And final game of the night, Aaron Nola faces off against Miles Michaelis, the Phillies, and the Cardinals. Bush Stadium on ESPN 2. Eight thirty-seven. the Phillies. And the Cardinals, Phillies look to win the series and move on.
0: All right, and we're going to move on to the better round, um, which is brought to you by the Guilford Hall Brewery. Have you been there yet? Have you been to the Guilford Hall Brewery? It's located in Baltimore Station, North neighborhood, uh, and it breaks the – and they do break – oh, my gosh. I, I do this every time because this is written so weirdly. So let me start over. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted micro brews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games, though the Orioles won't be there um, you know, for six months. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for Yappy Hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights, so you, go to, you can go to GuilfordHall.com for complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. That's Guilford Hall Brewery at 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. I feel like I want to like put my own twist on it, but the way it's written, you have to read it like you're reading a commercial. Yeah. You know? Oh. Anyway. So the ba- the the bet around. Uh, you've got four games on tap today, as young Zach Goodman over there just alluded to. You've got first up at 12.05 or 12.08, it says here, the Tampa Bay Rays taking on the Cleveland Guardians. Um Tampa's favored by a run and a half at plus one eighty-four. You could take the Guardians at plus one and a half, uh minus two twenty-five. On the money line, it's even. It's on uh, minus minus one oh eight for both teams. The over uh is the 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 game is set at five and a half runs. Uh for the over you get minus one fifteen. For the under, you get minus one hundred five. With the way that they're pitching and the two bad offenses, I five and a half runs isn't a lot of runs, but I feel like I'd probably take the under. In that one, okay. Although Randy, Randy Orosarena has your,
1: um, honestly, the Rays being favored surprises me, given the fact that they only won eighty six games this year and well, they've been terrible for about the last month.
0: It is in Cleveland, but it's maybe the, the, maybe they're being favored. I mean, I mean it's the, the the spread's even on the money line, Okay, so okay. They're, they're saying that this could go either way. Got it. Um, really. But Randy Arozarena, he is favored uh, to hit the home run. That has the highest odds to hit the home run at plus 470. Nobody else is less than plus 500, Makes which sense. is Jose Ramirez. So um, that could be a good bet. You could, because Arozarena, he wasn't good yesterday. I feel like he had a down year compared to last year. Well, it, I, I, most of the guys in the Rays did, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, I mean, that that has a lot to do with the fact that Kiermaier was out all year. Yeah, And uh, Wander Franco, who kind of elongates that lineup. He was out yeah. most of the year, also, but he is back now. Um, at 408, you've got the Mariners and the Blue Jays. Uh, Mariners plus 152 to take it home. Uh, the over/under is seven and a half. The over at minus 106. The under at mi- uh, minus 114. 738. Padres at the Mets. Um, Padres favored in this one. Plus one. Fifty. So, if you bet hundred bucks on the Padres to win, you will win hundred and fifty additional dollars. The over/under set at five and a half, which is low, but it, like you said, it is Blake Snell yeah. taking on Jacob DeGrom. Um, but the the over and the under are both at minus one ten. So, you could go either way on that one. In that particular game, I think I'd probably take the. I think I'd probably take the over. Because Blake okay. Snell has been susceptible at times this year, and he get, sometimes he tends to get a little bit wild, and I think that the Mets could take advantage of that. So I'd probably go the over. And then you've got at 8.38 the final game. Again, like you said, the Phillies and the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals favored in this one a plus 104 after blowing that game, that 2 nothing lead in the ninth inning, losing 6-3. to three. Yeah. Yesterday, the over-under is 6.5. You can get uh, the over at minus 114 and the under at minus 106. I do want to take a look at that particular game because I want to see because there's some heavy hitters in that lineup, right? There are. So I there want to are. see you, you've got Schwarber, Castellanos, yeah, uh, I, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper. So I want to see. I would argue
1: the Phillies have a top three offense in the playoffs this year. I think they do. Maybe okay. even top two.
0: So yeah, you've got Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber at the best odds at plus three twenty. Yeah. They hit a home run. Then Reese Hoskins, Nolan Arenado. Uh, the Hoskins plus 420, Aronado plus 430, Castellanos plus 460, Albert Pujols plus 500. They've got Paul Goldschmidt ranked behind JT Real Muto at plus 540, and that's probably your MVP. Yeah, Goldie had a great Uh, year, probably. is kind of skidded a little bit down the stretch, but that's it's I think it's going to come down to he and Manny Machado. Yeah, and I I think Goldschmidt just because the year he had was so unreal, yeah, and it was. he hadn't had a year like that in like three or four years. Right. Um. I think he's going to win MVP.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. Oh uh, was that your way of saying let's move on.
1: No, no, no. I mean, I you're controlling that. I I think Goldie could. I, I always think it's hard for for first baseman to win MVP. I I'm not. I, I think Manny has the the upper hand just because of his defense and the way he plays the game. It's a more complete player. And
0: Manny also had a, a damn near broke his ankle, came yeah, back way faster than anybody expected, and still put on a great year.
1: I, I think I I just look at first baseman and go. MVP? Eh, maybe. I think Maddie's more deserving given the fact that he plays incredible defense and he's just more of a complete player. But Paul Goldschmidt, great player and very underrated player. He never really gets a lot of uh, media attention, probably because he's been on the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals in his career. Um, Cardinals but are good. They're always good. They, they are. I just don't feel like they're one of the more covered. They're not the Yankees, right? They're not the Dodgers. They're a great team and they're consistent. They're a great baseball town. But not a team that gets a ton of media coverage, and as a result, I don't think Paul Goldschmidt really gets the the recognition that he deserves. He's a great player. Yeah, no though, doubt. Uh,
0: He's. Uh, he, I think he's he's one of the most underrated players. I want to see
1: whose WAR was higher this year, Manny or his. Not that that's only one stop I'm, mention- I'm, I'm
0: probably, probably because, Manny. Probably yeah. Manny because Manny has more impact defensively. And that and that was kind of my point. Yeah. Um, Playoffs, they're in full swing right now. We just went over the four games that are happening today to see who goes to the division series to face the division winners in each league. So you're looking at Yankees and Astros, looking to see who their opponent is going to be. It was actually
1: Goldschmidt by a win. Really? Yeah, 7.8 compared to
2: 6.8.
0: He was so good offensively. He was. He, he was. I mean, there was a stretch where he reached base like 50 straight games, and I, he hit like close to 500. I think, in like June like he, he had he on
1: base percentage of 404. Yeah,
0: he had he had yeah. a crazy good year. He and, and he dr- hit over 300, hit over 30 homers, drove in over 100, on base percentage over 400. Manny was like 290 with like 33 homers and like yep. 93 RBIs. Right? So like yep. it, I guess Manny's defense was good but not good enough cuz Paul Goldschmidt plays a hell of a defensive first base. He does. He's one of the best he defensive. Does. He's got some gold gloves. Yeah. Goldschmidt with the gold gloves. <laughs> um so it'll be interesting to see both teams made the playoffs but I think you can make a bigger argument that without many the Padres don't get there. Oh, I totally agree. Especially I, without T- Tatis missing the whole year, yeah. Juan Soto not being what you expected him to be when he came yeah. over. You know, we'll see. Now, for the rest of the playoffs, Guardians-Rays, and I know that you are, you know, friendly with the Guardians. Yeah. So, are you taking the Guardians, or do you think the Rays have something left?
1: I don't believe in Tyler Glass now. Is more of it than anything. I can't I, believe they're starting I in the don't playoff game right get now. Get that, and, and I think the the Rays again. They're an 86 win team this year. I think this is the weakest Rays team we've seen in a long time. Yeah. and I, I'm I'm very confident in the Guardians. Not only because of my affiliation, but just the reason that it's Tyler Glass now is not stretched out as you mentioned before. Really, five innings is going to be the max here, unless mm-hmm. he's unless he's just ultra efficient and he has like 50 pitches in the fifth inning, which is so unlikely. But Without that ultra efficiency, I I don't really think this is a smart start. And they this is the team that you know really started the whole opener thing, and that you know let's piggyback guys and let the bullpen kind of take over the game. So if there's any team that can do this efficiently with Tyler Glass now, it's probably the Rays. But Tristan McKenzie, I mean man, I watched a lot of Tristan McKenzie this year a lot, and he is one of the most underrated. And again, being Cleveland being He's a small market really team. Good. It, Tristan McKenzie has some of the best stuff, and if you watch this game today, you'll realize he is an, a star in the making, and a guy that was a top prospect for a while, he's very excited to watch, I don't really see the Rays hitting him, I look at that Rays lineup and I go, okay, Wander was injured for most of the year, he had a fine year, not great, you look at Arena, fine year, not incredible, I was, he had a good year, not incredible. There's not a lot of star power, not a lot of bats. I'm really afraid of. I think Tristan McKenzie shuts him down today.
0: I thought that a Rose Reno was going to be a superstar player, mm-hmm. and look, he won rookie. He, he he was the NLC the ALCS MVP. Yeah. In 2020. Yeah. AL Rookie of the Year last year. I didn't think he was the best rookie, but he had a good year. I agree. 20 homers, 20 steals. You know, he he had a good year, but he hasn't turned into yeah. that superstar that I expected him to be. Like, Like yeah. to me, he's become more like David Freeze, who was a he, who was a playoff hero in, 2000, what was it, 2010? Um, 11, and, I think, in, yeah. T- in 2011. Um, and he's become more like um, Ma- Madison Bumgarner. Good player. Yeah. Good pitcher. Had an unreal postseason in 2014. Yeah. But he's not, you don't put him in the same vein as... Clayton Kershaw, and Max right. Scherzer. I really thought that Randy Rosarena, and he still could. He's still very young. But I really thought that he was going to turn into this superstar. Yeah. And to me, he's just a solid ball player. He's, he, he, For he's, now, yeah. He, he's just he's just a player that you put out there every day. And he's like a Nick Marcakis. Yeah. Nick Marcakis never became a superstar. And I I I've, I don't know that the Rosarena ever will. He still could. He's still yeah. very young and very athletically talented and gifted. Yeah. But... He's not blowing me away. Well,
1: I, I also think that the, he's not really protected in that lineup. I mean, Wander Franco was out for a big part of the year, and when he came back, I think his OPS was seven seventeen this year. That's not exactly great. Uh, Yandi Diaz has been the best offensive player of this team. I mean, mm-hmm. he had a four hundred. He had a four hundred on base percentage. He's this a, year. He a very good player, and the, that's the, notable. The,
0: the Margot, did, was he hurt most of the year?
1: I I don't know, but he he's been. Very average player for a while now.
0: Is it Brandon Lowe? is it? Brandon Low. Brandon Lau. Lau. Yeah. You got. You got. Because they both played together. Brandon Lau. Now they have another Low on the team. Josh Lowe, I think it is. Who's the outfielder? Um, right. Yeah, but
1: Brandon Lau's been injured the entire year. Yeah, but, but, played.
0: But that that offense, if you had Brandon Lau, yeah, you have uh, Manuel Margot playing the way you know he's capable of. Wanda Franco's not hurt. The fact that Choi, Chu. Choi, Choi, Choi. yeah. The fact that Choi is still on that roster and still gets as much playing time as he gets,
1: well, it's because of on base percentage. He's an on base guy. He walks a lot.
0: They are really doing themselves a disservice at first base.
1: I think they're doing themselves the disservice across the entire roster. I just don't think they hit. I really don't. I don't see this as a team that's dangerous. But
0: it's crazy because last year they scored more runs than anybody.
1: They did. They did. Last
0: year they scored more runs than anybody. They 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 need a first baseman. And and, I know Brandon Lau. He plays first base now, doesn't he? No, he's still, I believe he's still second. He maybe moves around a little bit. He's he play, a versatile guy. I, I, I think he plays the outfield too. Isn't he the one who took the fat, the, the Mancini's fly ball? Off the no, face? that was the other. That was the, the uh, other, oh, the other Josh, Lowe, Josh Josh. Yeah. Josh Lowe. Which, by the way, how did I not mention Mancini with the, with the walkoff? Yeah, I go, or, or I've the, lost over that too. With the, with the home run. I guess because he, he's gone and you don't think about him as part of the team anymore. And I know that sucks to say, yeah. but he's not part of the team anymore. I don't know. All right. Phillies Cardinals. Yep. Phillies with that, uh, uh, unexpected six-run outburst, and it wasn't even an outburst. They had they again, sack fly, fielder's choice, three three singles, two walks, and a hit by pitch, and that's how they scored six runs in that inning. That 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 offense is deadly. Yeah. All those big-time home run hitters. Castellanos had a really down year, yeah. But the Cardinals, they've they've got Goldschmidt and Arenado, yeah, and, and Tyler O'Neill had a had a bad year for but him. He, he, yeah. he can no, I mean he had a bad year across the board. He, I, I don't, he hit thirty something home runs last year. I think he hit like thirteen this year. Um, but he can he can he can snap out of it at any time. It's going to come down to the pitching ma- matchup there, and you've got Nola versus Miles Mikalos. Yeah, Phillies are winning that game. They're winning that game. Phillies yeah. are winning that game, and that sucks. Cause I like the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, the, I didn't realize
1: how. Ba- I just looked up his numbers. I mean, fourteen home runs on base percentage of 308 and that's yeah, coming and, and, off a year where he had 34 home runs and an on base percentage of 352
0: yeah and didn't he hit like 286 last year or something like 286 that? yeah, yeah. And, and what did he hit this year like 232 228 228 yeah, yeah. Uh, tyler o'neill
1: i did not realize it was that bad he, he
0: had a higher war last year than bryce harper bryce harper won yeah. the mvp and this year he was he fell off a cliff yeah um mariners blue jays Again, I think that they, they both have talented rosters, I yeah. feel like. And what it's going to come down to is that pitching matchup. And is Robbie Ray going to be better? It's got to be Kevin Gossman. It's Kevin Gossman, yeah. Is, is Robbie Ray better than Kevin Gossman? I think Gossman's going to have a big game. I uh, think Gossman's better. Yeah, but uh, I I think the Blue Jays are going are gonna to win this game, and it'll come down to Game 3, where I'm guessing you get in Barrios- and, or Barrios, Barrios. How you pronounce his name? Who, 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 the, who the Mariners going to be sending out there? Ah, uh, let me check on that. Yeah, because I know, I know they got Robbie Ray, and I know that they have Luis Castillo, and then I'm not sure who else. Really. Logan Gilbert for the Mariners. Lo- he had a good year. Yeah, Logan and it's still too be determined a, for the Jays. Uh, I, I have to imagine it be.
1: I would think Bar- it'd be Barrios. Barrios.
0: Yeah. I, I have to imagine it would be, in... you know. He was bad this year but you wouldn't know it when he faced the Orioles cuz he dominated them all season. Like I was like how is this guy bad? He had four quality starts against the Orioles. Yeah. So, um that that that's a good pitcher. That's going to be a good matchup and a lot of those guys they tend to perform better when the lights are the brightest. And, yeah. uh, it, this is this is probably the most interesting series for yeah. me because I think these are the two teams that are the most evenly matched. And then you got the, Pir- the Padres and the Mets. Man, I love Buck I love Buck show Walter, but this happens to Buck. He gets to the playoffs and he doesn't he, he doesn't win. You got DeGrom going today against Blake Snell. I think DeGrom I think the, I think they're gonna win today, but I don't yeah. think that they're gonna win the five, they play three days in a row, right? They oh, all play crap. tomorrow yeah. too, right? Yeah. I don't think that they're gonna win tomorrow. So
1: tomorrow they have Chris Bassett on the mound, who's a very good he's pitcher. He's really good. And he's but, a free agent. Yeah. Free agent. Yeah, that would be a nice ad for the O's.
0: Um and he's going for the it's got to a, be determined as of now. Is Maniah hurt?
1: Uh, that's a good question. And
0: I know that they got Clevenger out there. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. And and what, what, who's the other guy? Um, begins with an M. Why can't I think of it? Why can't I think of his name? Musgrove. Oh, Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove.
1: Yeah. I, I would assume that would probably be the guy that would make sense. I think he's hurt though. He might. I don't follow the Padres too much, so I yeah. don't. Their pitching rotation is not really at the uh, at the front of my mind at the moment. But yeah, I, I think Chris Bassett will throw a good game for them. Uh, but Jacob Degrom, I mean, obviously, when you have your number one starter on the hill and a guy that's probably the best pitcher in baseball, you've got to win for the Mets. Like you, you, can't lose this. Well, you can't lose this game or you're going home. But Jacob Degrom, if he gives you any sort of good start, you have to put up the offensive numbers, have to put up the runs on the board to win for him.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I agree. No, Musgrove just pitched the other day. He just—I
1: thought so. I thought I think he'll go tomorrow. Yeah, that'd it, be my it, assumption. It, it'll probably be yeah. Musgrove.
0: Um, yeah, it's it's they're interesting series. I think that the Mariners Blue Jays is the most interesting of the bunch. I think you could see sweeps with Cleveland. Uh, in I think you could see Cleveland sweep the Phillies sweep. Yeah. The Mets, because of who they have going in the next two days, I'm going to give the Mets the edge. But I would not be okay. surprised in the least if the Padres pull it out. Uh quick Orioles banter. I know because we we're, we got to get out of here at, at a reasonable time, and I don't want to stay much longer than 12 twelve twelve oh five, and it's already eleven fifty seven. So we're going to do a quick Orioles banter. I uh, just I want to I want to look at free agency, and I thought it was interesting because I didn't think about it, but he's absolutely right. Andy Kotzka said that um, a, a a batter that Michael Elias is going to sign isn't going to be a guy that's going to strike out and not get on base. Right. So I think you can all but eliminate a guy like a Jock Peterson. Right. Uh, he. he, he he has the power. He bats on the left side, which Mike Elias like, likes, and he does walk, mm-hmm. but he strikes out a ton. Uh, I, I, I think Jose Abreu is the perfect, the perfect fit. for the middle of the order. It's just a matter of if the White Sox are willing to let him go. And if, you and you said last week that you don't think he's willing to let the, 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 that he'd be willing to let him go. But they've got some first baseman there. Uh, they, they don't do. want they, Andrew Vaughn, Vaughn can go yeah. play can go play first base, and they got, they can play Gavin Sheets there in sure. the outfield. Uh, you, if. You have the, the window at the end of the year, at the, after the World Series, to negotiate with your free agents before anybody else can. Mm-hmm. And maybe they get something done. But I, for me, if, if we're being realistic about who the Orioles could bring in, that should be the first guy that they call. Know, right, thousand I know you're not going to sign Aaron Judge. As much as I want him, you're not going to sign him. Jose Abreu should be the first guy that you call. And then the next guy that you call, if he can stay healthy, is Michael Brantley. Okay. Left Left-handed, oh. left-handed yeah. bat... Doesn't strike out, gets on base, he's he's a good player. Kind of like what Carlos Beltran did for the Astros. Right, and and he's older, he's like 35, 36 also, yeah. but that's a guy who has those good at-the-ball skills, and who and Michael Elias loves him some left-handed hitters. Michael
1: Brantley, if you know, has been one of my longtime favorite players. Yeah. I a, love a, Michael Brantley. He's a damn good baseball yeah. player. And your third call should be Chris Bassett, if yeah. he's available.
0: Yeah, well, and it depends on what you prioritize. I'm, I'm talking your first offensive okay. call. Okay, fair enough. Your, the next call should be Chris Bassett, because yeah. he's, he's a free agent you're probably not getting in the, in the Verlander or DeGrom waters. Nah. And Rodon, if you're not going to be breaking the bank, if, if you're not spending the, the, $30 million a year on a pitcher, yeah, you're not calling Rodon.
1: They're not going to sign Rodon. Right. I, I would give that like a 5% chance. Yeah, ten. Maybe.
0: I mean, he, he just led the National League he, yeah, in strikeouts. He's due 25 to $30 million next year, and he's going to opt out to get more.
1: Carlos Rodon feels like a Dodger to me. He just
0: feels like a Dodger. Everybody feels like a Dodger. That's man. true. That's they they, 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 they <laughs> buy everybody. He's a, he's a Dodger. Or he's a Met. Or he's a Yankee. Like, yeah. yeah, everybody is. It's easy to say. Everybody, it's it's, it's going to be interesting. They do need, to, I think that they need to add a backup catcher. Yes. They, they do. Yeah, I, I don't know. Who Unquestionably, I don't. And the thing is, people get so up in arms about the backup catcher. They're like they got to get a better backup catcher. You're you're never going to be happy with the offensive output from your backup catcher because right. I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to bring in somebody that's defensive minded. That, that that's a good defensive catcher. Yeah, and if he's a good defensive catcher, he's probably not going to be a hitter. And if he's a good hitter, he's probably not going to be a good defensive right. catcher. Because if he's your backup, he's not going to be both. Right. He's Correct. not going to be yeah. both because if he's a, if he's both, he's not a freaking
1: backup. You just can't end up with neither, which is what they have with Robinson Torino's. They right. had neither. Right. That's a problem. And, and
0: I liked the Torino signing when it happened. I liked him at the beginning of the year because he's a veteran. And I did like the way he handled the pitching staff, but the pitch framing was bad and the offense never got going. It yeah. just never yeah. got going. He was really bad. And he's still holding out hope for one more major league contract. That's... I don't think that's happening. I think he and Odor uh, yeah. are both destined for minor league uh, contracts, yeah. minor league signings with spring training invites. And I am terrified, and I think it's going to happen, that Odor is going to get a minor league con- in minor league contract with an invite to spring training for the Orioles. Could not agree more. I think that's going yeah. to happen. It's, it's going to be absurd. So Jose Abreu, Michael Brantley, probably the two. And if they are in the market for a shortstop, to me it's Trey Turner. Is above everybody else, and then Carlos Correa. I think Dansby Swanson is staying in in Atlanta. Okay. Tim Anderson is a free agent. Um, I don't. He's kind of been known for. I don't mind mind the, the the celebrations and all that, but I feel like he gets in a little bit. He's of He's a little controversial. I feel I feel like there's been yeah. some controversy there. Maybe he's not the safest player from a uh, from a drama standpoint. Yeah. Um, and Xander Bogarts. I think he's going back to Boston probably, but I think that Boston's going to have to show him that they're because he's not getting any younger. True, all these guys are right around Mm thirty that we're talking about, and I think that Xander Bokardt he's the oldest of the bunch, and I think that he's going to sit there and be like, "Look, I want to be back in Boston, but you got to show me that we're going to contend." You know, And if if they can't prove to him that they're going to contend, then he's going to go to the highest bidder. But there's a number of shortstops out there. I think that Jorge Mateo played himself out of being handed the everyday job. I think so. Next year. Yeah. And, I, and I do believe, I think that Michael Elias looks at this roster and he says, Gunnar Henderson's my third baseman next year. I like Ramona Rios, but he doesn't stay healthy and he's too inconsistent. Yeah. And Jorge Mateo is more of a super utility guy. Yeah. And I think he's going to address a middle-of-the-order bat And the shortstop, they may be one in the same, but I don't look at any of those shortstops and think that they're middle-of-the-order bats. No. I think they're all top-of-the-order bats. I
1: think Trey Turner's your best bet, but he's not a middle-of-the-order guy. He's over 100
0: this year. He did, but I... That's because everybody on the Mets is an all-star. I mean, on the Dodgers Dodgers is an all-star.
1: He just doesn't have the power for me to be a a middle-of-the-order guy hits 30-plus home runs a year. He's hit 30-plus. Does it? really?
0: Trey Turner hit thirty plus for the did he? for the Nationals? Hmm. I'm, I'm gonna look this up, but i I just I'm, don't
1: feel like he's a guy with all that speed you want to waste in the middle of the order. This Even year if he
0: didn't hit. He hit like twenty this year, but I'm almost certain Trey Turner has, okay. has a thirty. You might be season. right. Twenty eight. He hit twenty. Okay. He hit twenty eight last year, and he stole thirty two bases and led the league in, in batting average and yeah, he sure did. Hits.
1: I mean three seventy five OBP, nine eleven OPS, twenty eight home runs, thirty two stolen bases. That's a uh, he, that's a year.
0: He, he's he's. A good hitter, he gets on base, he steals bases, he plays good defense. Yeah, he's fast, and those glorious strut, those glorious slides. Yeah, just the smoothest slides (laughs) of all time. (laughs) Uh, From the pitching standpoint, Chris Bassett, I think, is everybody is everybody's the top of everybody's wish list. Yeah, but I do think that the Orioles are going to explore a number of different trades. I don't think they're going to pull off a number of different trades, but I think they're going to explore different trades to try and bring in a starting pitcher with team control. My mind is still set on Pablo Lopez because I think they have the outfielders to trade, and then I think the I don't agree with Andy. I don't think that the outfield is set for next year. I think no, that, I don't I, I, I think no. that they look at Michael Elias likes those OBP guys. I don't think he likes the type of offensive player that Austin Hayes is. Cedric Mullins to me is the only guy who's still going to be on this roster yeah. next year that I know for sure. So, all right, we got to catch our final break. When we come back, we're going to do take to rake to close things out here. On the bat around, I want to remind you that today's show brought to you by... The latest edition of the Press Box print issue. There's a little more than a week left to pick up the print issue of Press Box. On the cover, Bo local pro- profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also inside, we introduce you to football players in Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan as the season gets underway. And everything you need to know for betting football this season, Press Box is available for, for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can Always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Catch a break. Take the rake next.
4: 2. You must be a United States citizen, possess a valid driver's license, and have a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The Baltimore County Police Department is an equal opportunity employer. Come
6: experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling
5: problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit
6: mdgamblinghelp.org.
5: Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Glory Days Grill's Oktoberfest
4: menu is now running. It's one of their most popular seasonal menus all year. It features the chicken schnitzel, the Oktoberfest brewer's platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich, the Bavarian burger with a pretzel bun, the cheddar ale soup, the slam dunk pretzels, and the apple cobbler. All of these meals pair well with Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on Draft. Dine in or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill. Great food.
5: Good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the the freshest coffee in the world at Royal Farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast Royal Farms
4: and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka
6: profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom. From his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the
4: best daily cover of demos, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at Maryland5Star.us That incredible...
1: Glenn Clark Radio Music. Today's show has been brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Komodo Grill, the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to seal, to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. Get the details and reserve yours today at GinsuGrills.com and use the code TAILGATE to get $100 off your order. Come get a sample of the cooking from the Ginsu Komodo Grill tomorrow and before every Ravens home game this season at the Game Day Firehouse located at the Firefighters Union Hall just west of the stadium at 1202 Ridgely Street you can stop by try some food and enter to win a Ginsu Komodo ceramic grill and $500 worth of grilling meats
0: all right so we realized last week that we never made picks and take the rake Correct. I don't know how that happened. That has <laughs> never happened before. We got so, Never happened. We, were, we got so into talking about whatever the hell else we were talking about yeah. that we totally forgot to make picks. And Zach and I both realized this on Sunday night. Yeah. So we each decided, through text message, I picked Adley Rutschman for the final three games. Yep. He picked Gunnar Henderson for the final three games. Now... Brandon Hyde in his infinite wisdom <laughs> didn't play Adley Rutchman in game one sixty two. He did give uh, Gunnar Henderson, who did not start that game, two plate appearances later in the game, 0 for one with a walk. So it was a really small sample. Rutschman went one for five with two walks and one strikeout. It was a two hundred batting average, but a four twenty nine um a four twenty nine OBP. OBP and a six twenty nine um On base, uh, uh, OPS. Gunnar Henderson went two for seven. Okay. Two eighty six, four forty four on base percentage because he walked twice, struck out three times. But begrudgingly, because I'm not going to have a tie for the end of the season, and we made the mistake. Zach wins with um, Gunnar Henderson, and therefore Zach, you get. And I, I, I said I was going to figure out. I have not figured it out. I, I promise you, I will figure it out. Who's leading in take Drake. I'm sure. I feel it will, like Zach it will won, be done. Will I feel. Like, done. I feel like Zach won the season. Maybe Zach will do half the year, and I'll do half the year, and we'll figure it out sure. together. But um, Zach, you win this week, and therefore you get to do. Uh, you get to pick first. That's what happened. We okay. Talked, so who am I picking from? So that's what happened. We we picked. Um, I, instead of saying you get to pick first, we just went straight into final thoughts. That's right, what happened did, last week we because did. I just almost did it again. So let's see. You're only going to have two days worth of games. And maybe you're only going to have two games. You may have no games to pick from yeah. for tomorrow. So you might just be picking from today. Okay. So I'm going to say that you can pick one player. One play- We're going to do one player from all four of the... Oh, so uh, four uh, different uh, players. Okay. No, no. So we're going to pick one player from all four... Of the games today, okay. For the rest of the weekend, okay. And one player for the series, okay. For from next week's grouping of, okay. So, so next week, so one player that for for the four the eight teams playing today, the wild the wild card for the the wild card round, and then one player for the divisional round, for the divisional round. But it has to be from either the Yankees, the Astros, the Braves. Or the Dodgers. Okay. So... So we each get to pick two players.
1: Give me... Give me... I can't do NL? No, I, you I can't. You can okay.
0: It's, g- it's g- one player from these four... Okay. From these eight teams. And then one player from the, those other four teams. Give
1: me Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge.
0: Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge. All right. Let me, uh, let me make a note of this here. Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge... I like that. I'm yeah. I'm confident in that. I would have gone Jose
1: Ramirez, but he had a home run yesterday, so I don't think he's gonna do it two days in a row. It'd be surprising. But he is a great player. All right. One, two, three, by the way, for Tristan McKenzie to start off the game. Nice. Very easy inning.
0: Give me that playoff pedigree. Okay. George Springer.
1: Ooh, that's a good pick. George always does have a great playoff. And uh, then appearance.
0: For next for the next series. Pitching's going to be really good, but he, Jordan Alvarez. Jordan, okay. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I didn't even think about anybody on the Dodgers because I feel like everybody... I don't feel like anybody on the Dodgers... Mookie Betts had a nice year. Yeah. But I don't feel like anybody on the Dodgers, aside from Trey Turner and Freddie and Freddie Freeman. But everybody else has had like a good year.
1: I like your pick. Jordan's a really good pick. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. George Springer and Jordan Alvarez. Okay. Give me those two guys if I win next week. Not okay, gonna no, but we next week I'll do something different. All right. So final thoughts. Your your final thought for today.
1: I mean, final thought. I I just want to say, you know, 83 wins. The season has come to a close. Lot to look forward to. This is gonna be pretty brief, but gotta go out and get some pitching, get a backup catcher, improve that bench, and you're not gonna leave those games in the field if you perceived that they did this year. You're not going to leave those games against the Pittsburgh Pirates and against the Detroit Tigers and against the Boston Red Sox. You're not going to leave them on the field next year because you have better depth, you have better talent across the board, and there's a lot to look forward to here. This is just the start, and if you're disappointed, don't be. Really great season for the Orioles. 83 wins, huge success. Looking forward to these playoffs.
0: My final thoughts, and I made made it a point not to mention this until now. I was very disappointed with the lineup. We know that yeah. I, I did mention that on uh, for the, for 162, and I got a lot of people came at a lot of people agree with me. Okay, a lot of people came at me. One guy told me I don't know ball <laughs> because I expected Adley Rutschman to play in game two. I expected Adley Rutschman to DH in game two. Yeah, not to catch. Because no no catchers catch double headers anymore. Mm-hmm. They it just doesn't happen. I think the last time it happened was like 2011. Yeah. Okay. I got told I don't know ball. <laughs> I got told that. Um, I got told what kind of fan I am. That's the, the, fun. The, the, This person basically told me that um, some of us see the bigger picture. You're the one who wanted to go there mm. for, to to see the the, the star players. No, uh, trust me, man. I, I've I've been I've been here. Yeah. All right. No doubt. I, I, what were you doing, 1998 through 2011, when the Orioles were losing for 14 years? Because I was watching every inning of every game, and I was tell, and I was convincing myself on opening day for 14 years <laughs> that this was the team that was going to turn it around. Yeah. Guess what? None of them were. All right. I was the person standing on a table at Silver Spring Mining Company in Bel Air when the Orioles won that wild card game, crying <laughs> because my <laughs> yeah. team finally was a winner. Yeah. For the first time in 15 years. Okay. So people would tell me, I don't know ball. And people are going to tell me that the kind of fan that I am. You have no idea. You have no idea. My expectations are higher because this team was good enough to make the playoffs. And they didn't get there. Yep. All right. My ire with Brandon Hyde is because I felt like there were things that he did to keep this team. I don't think he did it intentionally. I think he believed that every team he put out there gave him a chance to win. But I, I feel like there was a number of different things that he did down the stretch that cost this team an opportunity at the playoffs. And when Andy Kotzka said that he was asked in an interview if this uh, um, what was different this year and this this team ran out steam, and Brandon Hyde said, "I managed the same way I've always managed." To me, that's a problem. Yeah. To me, that's a problem because if 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 you're managing an 83 win team the same way you managed a 52 win team yeah. and a 54 win team. That's a problem. Yeah. You've got to know when to turn it up. You've got to know when to change your managing style to help your team win a ball game. Not growing, not changing, being the same manager in 2022 that you were in 2019, that's not good. Yeah. All right? I don't ever want to advocate advocate for somebody to lose their job, right? If I go into Walmart, okay, I'll give you a promise. I went to Home Depot by where I live yesterday and I asked the woman to tell me if she could tell me what color paint this was uh, on, on my flooring and she goes I don't know I'm not going to ask for uh, that's bad customer service that's somebody who's working in the apartment they probably don't t- need to be working in but I'm not going to go up to her manager and say she doesn't know what she's doing you should fire her I'm not going to do that okay you, I don't know what's going on in your life and you've got money you got to make and you've got bills you've got to pay a major league baseball manager who's making millions of dollars, who, even if they get fired, they'll probably find a job in baseball still. I still don't like advocating for somebody to get fired. And I know Brandon Hyde's not going to get fired. And I know Brandon Hyde probably deserves an opportunity to, and I use the, the term deserves lightly, because I thought that he kind of botched this year down the stretch. But he, he he deserves an opportunity to have more talent and really see what he can do as a manager with a ball club that's built for for postseason contention yeah. next year. That being said, he's got to improve in a lot of areas. He's going to have a pitching staff next year that I think is going to be legitimate. He's got to trust the starters to go deeper into games. Yeah, He's got to know which bullpen piece is the hot hand. He's got to know that you can't bring Joey Crable in, in a close game when he's pitched to a 6-plus ERA the last five weeks. You've got to know that you don't need to pull out Dylan Tate at nine pitches with two outs in the sixth inning, which then causes you to have to bring in uh, Felix. Ba- uh, Felix, yeah, that's the name, Felix Bautista, for a five-out save. When you don't need to get a five-out save out of Felix Bautista, he overused Bautista at the end there, trying to get multi-inning saves out of him, and he did the same thing with Michael Givens. He did the same thing with Jorge Lopez. I don't expect that to change, but it needs to. You've got to not you've got to learn how to not rest your best players on the same day. Sundays and day games shouldn't be automatic losses. And it got to a point where they were not sweeping Pittsburgh, not sweeping Oakland, losing to Detroit twice, losing 5 of 7 to Boston down the stretch is not acceptable because they are last place teams and you're a winning ball club. If you have an opportunity at a sweep and you need it. If you have an opportunity to win and you need it, You've got to put the best foot forward. I know guys get tired. And especially when he would do it the day before an off day. I need to see better out of Brandon Hyde. I'm willing, and it's not up to me, right? Michael Lash could could fire Brandon Hyde tomorrow or give Brandon Hyde a five-year extension tomorrow. It's not up to me. But in my mind, I'm willing to give him an opportunity. I'm willing to give him one more chance to prove to me that he belongs at the helm of the Baltimore Orioles. I'm not convinced right now. And you can tell me I don't know ball. You can tell me that I'm a bad fan. You can tell me that I'm never happy. One person said, what are you going to do without being able to bitch about a lineup for the next six months? Bitch about the moves that they don't make in the offseason. Or bitch about the moves that they do make that maybe I'm not a fan of. Or maybe I'll be excited about it. I want to be excited about the Orioles, and I am excited about the Orioles. I don't like saying bad things about them. I love this team more than just about anything in my life that doesn't have a pulse more than anything in my life that doesn't have a pulse. I love this team. So you're not going to tell me that I should just be satisfied and happy. I will never be satisfied until the Orioles win a World Series because guess what? I'm 38 years old and I've never seen one. I want it. I need it. You should feel the same way. My final thought took 15 minutes. I'm sorry. I know Zach wants to get out of here. But I'm really passionate about this stuff. This is what I love. This is my passion. This is the thing that I love the most in life that's not my wife and my dog. So don't tell me I don't care. Don't tell me that I'm too negative. I want what's best for the Orioles, and what's best for the Orioles is what's best for the Orioles fan. That's my final thought for today. Looking forward to a really great offseason. Special thanks to our, to our sponsors. Special thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment I'm on a busy day for him, and to Andy Kotska for finally being able to join us here on the Bat Around for the first time. Love Baltimore. Love the Orioles. Really excited to see what this team is going to do in the future. Not going to do a Ravens recap because they're pissing me off. Um, but we will get back to it next week here on the Battle round Until then,
2: see ya!